How's it going? We are back. This is Edgar otra vez with another episode of the Flowro Podcast. Now, if you're new to the podcast, make sure you take some time and you run over to theflowropodcast.com where you can find a complete catalog of all our episodes and the store where you can buy a coffee mug, a t-shirt, maybe a throw pillow. Also, you can find us on Instagram under the name The Flowro. We have a great episode for you today. It's a jujitsu-centric, super informative episode with none other but jujitsu second-degree black belt John Lawrence, who is the owner and head instructor of Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland. There's a lot here. Get your notebooks out. You're going to want to write this down. All right. On with the show. All right, welcome to another episode of the Flow Row Podcast. This is Edgar Otra Vez. And today on the show, to talk about some jiu-jitsu, is John Lawrence from Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu in Cleveland, uh, who is a black belt uh, first degree, right? As of Saturday, it'll be two. So. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, cool. Um, so congratulations on the uh, recent team win over at Naga in Cleveland, yeah. right? You guys uh, took the team the team cup. Is it a cup or is it a medal or a trophy? I don't know. They haven't sent it to me yet. <laughs> <I'm not sure>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, they, uh, they, so like, um, they said, they said that they, um, yeah, no, no, they said they didn't. They forgot to load the trophies in the truck. No joke. That's what they told me. So they're going to mail it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, those guys are all over the country and they're like, uh, they, they, they're having like one every week or like at least something yeah. crazy like that. So, I mean, I could see how yeah. maybe it got lost in the shuffle, but so, but like, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was especially like looking at it from like a team perspective, like, but you know but even for the individual how do you get ready for a tournament do you worry about period periodization you know peaking yeah. and all that stuff yeah. or and and for your team as well or do you just kind of worry about you do you give advice what's what's the perspective yeah yeah uh so the first thing i would say is that it's it's really different uh, i've only recently started thinking about it like within the, uh, like a team context, because we've only really recently gotten to the place with, I'd say within the past couple of years where we, where we are actually able to like go to tournaments and win team trophies. Cause you know, like it just took time to grow the school. Um, so thinking about it from a team perspective is that's pretty new for me. I, I I'm used to treating as it, treating it as an individual endeavor. Like, you know, I worry about me, I worry about my own, conditioning and periodization and drilling and stuff. And then I go to tournaments and I just, I just do how I do, but we had, um, I want to say that we had roughly 35 athletes registered for that tournament. So nice. It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot to manage. Um, and it was the first time that Naga had ever come through Cleveland. So I wanted to like, I wanted to make a big showing. So I really pushed people hard. That's step one is just like 
getting people to go like, you know what, I'm going to, like, I'm going to try, I'm going to give it a try, compete. We had a lot of first timers. Um, and uh, yeah, getting the team ready is, um, it's, it's just different. It's, it's like a, it's a different level. It's a different type of satisfaction. Like winning, winning a medal yourself is one thing, but then like <clears throat> coaching people like toward winning is like, it feels just as good, but it's, it's a different, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's a, it's, a, it's a different type of feeling. I don't know. Well, I mean, definitely like, a, you know, some pride, right? Cause I mean, it's, it's your student. It's, it's the guidance that you've been giving them. It's the lessons you've been teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. I mean, we, 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 we prepared for the tournament. I'm talking about like going from like recruiting people. That's the only word I can think of that makes sense. I, it sounds bad, but like recruiting people to compete, like at, you know, saying like, Hey, let's, let's get you in there. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Um, all the way up to competition day, you know, there was like, when we, we prepped for probably that period from start, start to finish was probably a couple of months. Um, I would have been really, really bummed out if we, if we hadn't won, just given like the diligence and, and preparation that we put into it. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it was, it was a, it was a whole, it was a whole process. You brought up like periodization. We definitely, you know, we had um, in my mind, like there were steps like from start to finish, like I had to kind of chart it out, you know, how I wanted to, um, how I wanted to bring everybody through the process. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it paid off. I mean, we, you know, we did, we did, uh, we did it like a lot better than I even thought we would. So it was, it was cool. Well, I mean, for the size school that you guys are to take first place, that's, that's huge, man. Cause I mean, there's, there's like teams out there that are like, pretty huge and yeah i didn't so that that that's a, that brings up a really interesting point because i didn't know how to think about that like in cleveland we have by far the biggest brazilian jiu-jitsu team like in, in in cleveland i i and i know that only because like i know the local market but i don't i, I don't know i don't know how we compare size-wise to like other schools in ohio but one thing that 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 I, that was kind of like bothering me. It was like, you know, we won the competition by like, by a lot, by a lot, by a lot. But I was thinking, you know, like, okay, so anybody can just sort of buy themselves a competition win by, you know, just registering a shit ton of athletes and then going in and, you know, doing your thing. So, so I got a little obsessed the day after, and I started doing all these calculations on, <laughs> Uh, basically, <laughs> I know. Are you I, serious? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have problems. Um, yeah, and like I was totally unsatisfied, like with the win, at, like up until the moment I'm about to tell you about. So, so I got on Naga's web or uh, the Smooth Comp website, which tallies like a lot of Naga's like like uh, uh, championship data, and you can see um, like how many matches like your team fought, how many they won, how many they lost, how many medals. You know, like it's, you know, silver, uh, or I'm sorry, like gold, silver, and bronze. And so I, you know, I got kind of obsessed and I was, I calculated like our win rate. So it wasn't just like the number of athletes we had, but like at what percentage uh, of the time, like we were winning the matches. Oh, Jesus um, Christ, dude. I know, I know. <laughs> so what's the, what's the percentage? Um, so it was, it was pretty outstanding. We, uh, we had an overall, 
uh, combined between gi and no gi, we had an overall win rate. I think it was 64% uh -huh. win rate, which is, which is, which is good. And the gi, we were, I think we were as high as 71% win rate in the gi. Um, so essentially like, so my wife is, a, is a, she's a statistician and this is like how I come to think about this stuff. <laughs> and, um, it's a and little so, obsessive. So you're right. So, but what is, essentially what that means is like, we could have taken, we could have taken exactly the number of athletes to the tournament that the, you know, the, the, the second place team did. And we would have still won just based on like, uh, just like, just based on our win rate. Yeah. Just so, on the averages. Right. So like, so, so then at that point I was like, okay, I will, you know, I'll be happy with this. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. So you were looking at the data and you were like, not happy with it. So you were like, this is not a real win. It's just, I just have a lot of students. It's I, a real win. So the, the way that my brain works is like, if I, if I do something well, I figure out like. Why it's, why it's not like, real. Like, what, right. Why it's not real. Like why it's not worth, <laughs> you know, celebrating. And then if I, and if I do something poorly, I just, just totally self-criticize and berate myself which is not a very good way to like enjoy your life, but it's also a way to, that you can like really like push yourself to, you know, like places that you might not have otherwise gone. Um, yeah. But, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I do a little bit of the same and yeah. I try real hard not to live there, but yeah, like if you leave me alone, um, yeah, I'll live there. I'll go and look at numbers and stuff like that. The only reason I, I laugh is because I've done similar shit, you know? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's, you know, a, a key to success. There's a, there has to be, a, you know, a certain amount of obsession, right? Yeah. It, it, it it's a, like, it's like everything else. It's like, it's a balance. Um, my wife tries to balance me out and tell me to like, just like celebrate things. Like, look, you won just, like just sell, just be happy that you won. And I'm like, I'm at my laptop with like a calculator and I'm like, <laughs> I'm punching. Okay. We had 97 matches. We won this many divided mm -hmm. by this. What's our, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm, you know, in a way, like I'm proud of thinking like that, but then in other ways, like it's deeply embarrassing. <laughs> you see, I don't, I don't know because then in the end, like you can say, Hey, you know, like what you just said, you know, my students, you know, they, they win 70 something percent of the time, you know, uh, right. it's, that's a huge kind of, you know, badge of honor. You can get, you get to carry there, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's something to be proud of, but it's, it's cool. It's, it, it is, it's, um, but yeah, I just, you know, like you gotta, you gotta learn how to like, sort of li like live with that kind of brain and like try to balance it out. I mean, if I, you know, if I go, if I go to like, if I go to an IBJJF tournament and like I smoke some guy, you know, like my, my brain just goes like, I oh, like, I probably sucked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no reward. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's just, I got, I, I go, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm yeah. On yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, like when it comes uh, to, again, the preparation, do you share like some of this stuff with the students? You say, okay, well, this is what we got to do guys. I expect you guys to run. I, I, this is what you're, this is what you should be eating. Uh, or is yeah. it just like they come to class and you take care of that kind of stuff for them? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't make 
recommendations on like nutrition. I don't make recommendations on strength and conditioning because I'm not an expert in those areas. Um, where I do feel like I'm an expert is getting, getting people ready for the Brazilian jiu-jitsu aspect of Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition. Um, I mean, I, so I, I have a strength and conditioning coach that um, I think he's very wise. And when people ask me those questions, you know, like, what do I do? How do I get in shape for this tournament? I, I, I just immediately point them in his direction mm. and say, you should go. I'm not going to say his name. because I don't know if he wants to be talked about on the podcast, but um, I'll just say you, you need to go see this guy. Talk, ask him the questions you're asking me, you know, take some, take some private, uh, some private classes with him or some group classes with him. But like, I, you know, this is not, I'm not the person to, to give you recommendations on that because, you know, the recommendations that he makes, uh, I mean, he's the, that guy's a, a genius. So. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, especially nowadays, the, the, the science for, for getting ready for things like this is, is far and above what it was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, I remember like, you know, when, you know, just getting ready for a fight, for example, when I was a kid, you know, my, my coach would tell me, you know, this is what you want. This is what you want to do. This is what to expect, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, things are different now, you know? So I, I'm, it's, it's interesting that to, to hear that you have people that you would refer your, your students to, like, that's probably the best move, especially, I mean, especially nowadays, maybe 20 years ago was fine, but yeah, I think uh, there, there are better and smarter ways to do things these days. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe, I, maybe I should just give him a plug. I, mean, I can't imagine he would mind. Uh, he is, uh, so my trainer, his name's Jermail Porter. Um, he's, uh, he, he played professional football. Um, he's, he's been an athlete his whole life. Uh, he, and his, his gym is actually, it's, it's, it's in the same plaza as, as my gym. Oh, great. It's actually just like several doors down. So you literally, you walk out of our back door and you walk about, you know, a hundred yards and then like you're, you're right at his door and his gym is called uh, a functional fitness, strength and conditioning. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just, um, he, he just has like a, a the, part of the reason I never give, make recommendations for people at my gym is because he, I know that he trains many athletes at my gym and he trains them all very differently. So it's like a highly individualized approach. So I just like, I stay totally out of that stuff with my yeah. guys. I just say, go to, go, go to my trainer. If you don't want to go to him, go, go to a trainer, you know, just go, go to an expert. Um, but on the, on the Brazilian jiu-jitsu side of it, like we know, I think at this point we, we watch some of the best teams in the world, not just Brazilian jiu-jitsu teams, like wrestling teams, like the Russian national wrestling team. You know, we, 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 we look at like how they prepare mm -hmm. for, for high level competition. And we look at how some of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu teams, uh, prepare for high level competition. And we, we just do what the best teams do. You know, we, we, we essentially just adopt their training methodologies. Um, and uh, I mean, you, clearly there's something to it because it's working for the best teams in the world and it's worked for, it's worked for us now at several competitions. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with that approach. Do you want to share some of those found, uh, findings that you uh, kind of, yeah, sure. Up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, I would like, I would love to know what, what some of these teams are doing that, that you picked up and that is working for you. Yeah. What, so I, um, 
I think one thing I would say, I mean, none of this is like proprietary or secret, mm-hmm. but it is actually a wonder that that more that more teams like haven't really caught on to to training this way. And I think part of it is because so many gyms are just rooted in in tradition. It's like <clears throat> my coach did it this way, his coach did it this way, his coach before him did it this way. This is the way, like with a capital W. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. almost it's sort of religious. You know. Um, well, one of the main things is like, I, I know for a fact that like, in terms of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class format, like if I ask you what a traditional class format is, you're going to tell me it's, you know, you warm up, you see some technique and you roll. I mean, is, am I misrepresenting your view? No, that's pretty, that's pretty much standard. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, so like the, two, I think, so the two main things that we do that are, that are, I think pretty unorthodox, at least like in terms of again, like your sort of traditional gym is we don't, we don't do a warm up. Like we have no, we don't, we have no traditional warm up. So like, again, let's, we'll do some math. Like if you, if you go to X amount of classes per week and the, the warm up comprises anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes of that class, like that's when you get people, um, over the, over the course of years, you are losing so much time. Like not do it. You're not doing jujitsu with people. If you're doing jumping jacks and push-ups and jogging around the room, <clears throat> like this is all time. This is all jujitsu time that you're losing. You, you, you don't you don't get that back. Um, so we've we've completely disbanded like traditional warm ups. We don't do them. What we do instead is we warm up with Brazilian jujitsu technique, uh, Brazilian jujitsu drills, uh, even like wrestling drills. But we just do them really 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 slow and then we sort of like build up so every single minute of class we we are doing some form of grappling that's amazing yeah that's amazing because i mean everybody starts with at least a jog no no jog no jog no No, i mean so we we bow in Uh you know like attention welcome to class and then everybody circles up and I, I then I show them what warm-up drill we're going to be doing, but it's, it is a, it's not like it's, we're not doing lunges, you know, it's, it's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu warm-up drill. Like we're doing, we're doing some form of usually like, cause guard passing is pretty dynamic uh, or guard retention can be pretty dynamic. So it's almost, it's almost always like a guard retention or guard passing drill um, or like, like a flow wrestling drill. Like we'll start from the feet and then just real easy, you know, set up, takedown entry, no takedown. Cause you don't want to be hitting the floor ice cold. Right. Yeah. So we'll just hit the setup, hit the entry real, real easy, you know, like 20%. Right. Yeah. 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 And then kind of ramp up to it. You know? That's amazing, man. Like that's amazing. I've never, I didn't know people were doing that. That that's great. Cause I mean, I mean, there are, there are some, uh, and I'm not bad mouthing anybody. Cause I, I, I think this, you know, this, the format, the traditional format works. We're talking about thousands of gyms. We're talking about a lot of gyms, right? But like this, this here is kind of very interesting. And the perspective that you're taking, you're saying we have an hour, an hour and a half, depending on the class, why waste it on calisthenics? Why waste it on, you know, on, you know, burpees or whatever, like we could be doing jujitsu. We we should be using that time because you're right. I mean, there are people, you know, like myself, who's got a day job, you know, we, we have a, a very small amount of time to train and to waste a third of that time not doing jujitsu is not super effective for, for a person, especially like a person like me who wants to advance, who wants to get to the next level. Yeah. That's, that's a, 
that's a great perspective, man. I mean, just the perspective in yeah. itself. Sure. Let's 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 use the time that we have most effectively. Yeah, yeah. and like to be clear, that's like obviously it's not. I, I mean, nobody really ever knows who's the originator of anything in grappling, whether it's a technique or warm up. But like, like I'm I'm fairly certain that if you went and watched like the Russian Olympic team, uh, the, the Olympic wrestling team practice, like this is what you're going to see. You're going to see them warm up with like a half hour of. Uh, I think I think a lot of guys call it like flow wrestling, you know, where again, you're just like, you know, you're not snapping anybody's neck down really hard. You're not doing any crazy fast setups. You're, it's, it's almost like a, it starts as like a choreographed dance, mm. but like, what's good about it is like, you actually, it's, it's an opportunity where you can still build skills. Like you're, you're building skills for the entire time that you're in class. Um, we've had, we've had people come in and like, we just start doing technique and they're like, they're like, you guys don't warm up. I'm like, no, no, I'm like, we're, we, I'm like, we are warming up. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not, you know, if I, if, you know, like the, the, uh, the cross knee pass, like the knee slide pass that, yeah. you know, the Vienna brothers teach, like, we'll just warm up as an example with like very, very slow controlled repetitions of that. I mean, it, if you're pulling a muscle doing that, like you're, you're, you're not, you're not anywhere near doing jujitsu yet. I mean, you need to, you know, that's no, nobody's going to get hurt doing that. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing too, is this, um, there is a lot of work that you should be doing anyway outside of class. Like class should not be the only place you're practicing. Like, mm -hmm. like I remember even in my day when I was young, I'd go to the gym and they'd be like, why did you, how did you get, you know, so good so fast? And I'm like, well, cause you know, I show up an hour after class or I mean, I show up an hour before class, I practice. And then I show up on days that I'm, you know, that I don't have class, you know? And, and they're like, they, they, they couldn't understand that you needed to practice. They, mm -hmm. they considered class practice. Class is class. Class you go to, to learn. Sure, you, you might have some repetition, right? But you should also be practicing outside. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, <clears throat> that's uh, to a certain degree. Yeah, I think everybody, um, I don't like to use the word should, um, it depends what your goals are. Like if you, you know, if you're, if you're really serious about this, then yes, that, that I should say that, that, that that's a hard should, you should be doing that for some people. It's not realistic. And frankly, like they don't really care. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's okay that they don't, they're just a little more, you know, casual about training. Yeah. 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 And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, of course, you know, there's, there's people who have other focuses, right? I mean, they've got family, yeah. they got school, they got whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. The other, I think the other thing that, that we do that's, that's, I would say a little different is, um, and this is going to sound probably bad at first, but like, just allow me a chance to like, sort of explain myself. Sure. Um, I have like a little bit of, um, I don't know. I have like a little bit of like disdain for like tradition. <laughs> <Kind of now. laughs> let me, let me, let me dig myself out and explain it. It's yeah, for sure. So what I like is, um, I really like it when students are um, like critically inquisitive of the stuff that I'm showing. So instead of like, so instead, so when I opened the school, like instead of building an environment where it was like, do as I say, um, you know, like don't question anything. I pretty much told everybody from day one, um, like, let's just, let's, let's really like abandon the traditional aspect of like me being sort of like the professor on high, and, um, you know, like we've all had that moment in class, like where before we were like, you know, higher ranks, before I was a black belt, like you're watching somebody 
teach something and like at minimum you kind of looking at it, you're like, couldn't I just like pull my arm out of there? Or like, couldn't I, couldn't I roll through that? Or like, are you really sure that would work? But what do we, what does everybody do in a traditional setting? Everybody keeps their mouth shut. Nobody says anything. Yeah. Uh, it, right. And, and so, so right off the bat, like from day one, when we opened our first location, like I told everybody, like, I want you guys to put everything I show you in the lab. And like, I, I want to see if I, I, everything's got to pass through the filter. Like, even though, you know, conceivably everything's already passed through the filter, like through tradition and history. And like, you know, basically we spent years refining techniques, finding new techniques, but then also like throwing away old techniques that like I knew that I thought were real because like, you know, I, because they were taught to me and like that was jujitsu tradition. I mean, there's, there's, they're, they're like basic jujitsu fundamentals that I never teach my students. Wow. It's, like, it, like it's what exactly? Um, it's like extremely, extremely rare. I think maybe only once or twice in seven years that I've shown like a cross collar choke, like a two lapel choke. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And what's the reasoning for that? Um, I, because it's, again, like it comes down to like the time that I have to like show people things. And part of the way that I view that technique is like, that's a thing that's, it's so mechanically simple um, that like, that's something that somebody should, you know, like if you're rolling with like a purple belt and he, and he catches you in it, to me, that's a technique that should almost be transmitted. Like in that moment where the, where the, where the, where the white belt said, like, what, what did you just do? Yeah. And then the purple belt goes, look, I put one hand in here. I put the other hand under it and I turn my wrists into your neck. And then I kind of lay it down on you. And the guy's like, Oh, and then conceivably if the guy has any talent at all, like that technique has, has been downloaded in some way. Right. Uh-huh. Now, <clears throat> before everybody's head explodes, I understand that there's a lot more to that technique than what I just said. And I understand yeah. like, you know, Hodger Gracie's got like, I was about to say Hodger Gracie's yeah. got a lot of wins with that. And I teach it the way that he teaches it when I do, I teach, I teach his, his low collar feed where he digs like, like low on the chest as opposed to going in at the neck. I teach how he gets his elbows behind it and bulldozes like his whole body. But like for a lot of people, that technique is also just garbage because you need strong hands to execute that technique. Like that might be, that might sound controversial, but like if you have like, if you have small weak hands, like I have small weak hands, mm-hmm. I've been knowing that choke for, you know, 15 or 16 years. And like, I, I still can't hit it. I know how to teach it. The guys who like have the bone structure and the hands for it are, are, are great at it. But I just don't, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a high percentage, high value technique. I agree. <laughs> so, I No, no. Here's the thing. I agree 100% because um, I don't, if I ever do that choke, I never do the one where you have the one in and then the one under. Right. I usually yeah. come on top with the second because I can never get that second hand in deep enough. Because, right. I mean, anybody who knows anything at that point, even a white belt who's been at the gym for six months, knows it's coming. And if I put my hand underneath, it, it's it, it's not happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, if, if I ever hit that choke, it's always the one that goes over the hand that's already in and then across. So like, 
I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would call it a garbage choke or any, or say anything mean about it. Cause I have, I have done it, but it's not a high percentage. You're right. I, I absolutely agree. It's not a high percentage. It's one of my things that I throw in there, Yeah, but it's not, you're absolutely right. I agree. 100%. And maybe let, let's see, like I can even kind of remove like some of the judgment from it that I've, <laughs> that I've cast on it mm-hmm. and just say that like, it also, again, comes down to like, like the time that I have to show people techniques, you know, this would happen from the mount conceivably. And I can show you, I can show you a technique, that technique specifically, that's going to work. It's going to work most of the time against guys who are lower level. It's going to work sometimes against guys who are mid-level. And then occasionally you're going to get a guy who's incredibly proficient with it and he can do it at a high level, right? You'll, You'll get this too. Or I can show you how to set up like technical S mount, you know, like where you would hit your, your arm lock series from, there's still some chokes from that position. And that is a series that's going to work really well at all levels. So like, which one of those techniques am I going to like funnel more time toward? Like I'm going to focus on the one that's going to work really well at all levels of jujitsu. I mean, I still get, I still get brown and brown and black belts in that position consistently, Mm -hmm. you know, can't say that for the, you know, for the cross collar choke. That's uh that's a great point. Especially when, especially when it can't, when it comes to you, like you winning as a team, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, you're working on efficiency. You're working on, on things that work across the board. That makes a lot of sense. But I mean, I know that's not your intention. Your intention is you want effective players, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you're not worried. I know you're not really worried about winning cups, although, and you know, you're happy that you are, but but the 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 fact that you're trying to teach stuff that is effective, I think, is is huge, man. Yeah, it's it, it's um, it's interesting. Like when you're talking about what really works, and I, I think you can't you really can't talk about what really works without also talking about like competition style jujitsu versus self defense style jujitsu. And I have I have a lot of, lot of thoughts on that too. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what's wrong? What, what, you don't like the beating bolo? You don't think beating bolo is uh, effective in a self-defense situation? Is that what you're trying to say? I I think I'm just I, playing, I, man. <laughs> no, I, I mean, but but like, but the thing is, like, I I came from a school that like emphasized really MMA and self-defense and Viana Brothers, and I think that that the martial arts aspect of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like just it being like a martial art and not just like some sort of fringe sport. I think like that's an important distinction to make too. I have, I have students who are outstanding at that Baron Bolo inversion style jiu-jitsu. Um, uh, and I, like, I like it. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, but it's, it's, it's interesting. There's this like schism in jiu-jitsu. There's this like divide where if you go to like school A, that has this lineage, you know that you're probably going to learn a certain type of, of jujitsu. And if you go to school B, let's just say if you know if you go to Gracie Academy in, Tor- in Torrance, you're going to learn self-defense. If you go to um, you know Art of Jujitsu, uh, you're going to obviously be learning a very different style of jujitsu. But it's weird we call them the same things, we rank them the same way, and you, you know, um, so it's odd. It's it's like it's like a sport with it's like a martial art with like an identity crisis, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I still like the idea of like, okay, so, and this is not my, like, I didn't come up with this. I, I read this from someone, uh, and basically the thought was 
you know, whether it works or not, uh, you should probably know it because what if someone hits you with it, you know, regardless of the, of the situation and you don't know how to get out of a beating bolo or you don't know what it, what it is. Or, I agree with that. You know, so like at the very least, you should know what it is, what it looks like and how to get out of it. You know, maybe even know how to throw it, you know, how to put it on, but you know, it doesn't have to be part of your, you know, your game, just know what it is. Yeah. It's part of your grappling IQ. That's, yeah. That's what it is. I mean, I, I, so I've been studying, uh, Keenan's Keenan Cornelius's worm guard DVD for the bat for the past three weeks or so. And, um, I mean, I really hate it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like, I, I hate it. I hate it a lot. Well, well, um, um, <laughs> well, you know, generally speaking, I don't like, um, uh, I, I, I like, I like jujitsu that I can do without a gi. So I try to kind of think about stuff like that, you know, but it's not, I'm not opposed to not using the worm guard. In fact, I think it's kind of fun. I'm not very good at it. Usually I, I do something like that and they fucking pass, you know, but. So, um, but what's, so uh, what's your, the, what's your trouble with, uh, with the worm guard? Um, it's just so it's, it's so, um, I'm going to try to think, I don't, I don't know if I have a good word to like put it exact, like it's so specialized mm. and it's, you know, like the, I think the gi, the initial, the initial thought behind the gi was that we're going to, you know, we're going to be like simulating clothing in a, in, in a grappling context. You know, you, you see how it's used in judo and it's, and it's great. You could see how it would be used like in a self-defense situation in certain environments, you know, Cleveland, Chicago winters. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Um, but when you, when you get into like the really abstract areas where you're taking the very bottom part of the lapel and then doing these really elaborate feeds where it will wrap your leg and then their leg, and then there's a refeed where you pass it to your other hand and you're, you're really in this, this, this tangle. Um, it's just, it's just really not like, it's not appealing to me. Mm. Um, but still like, you know, I would be at the last tournament that I competed in, uh, my competitor, uh, the guy who was competing against, he threw it on me and I had, I have enough knowledge to understand how to work through the position. And I did, and I ended up doing well in the match and winning. But then I, I think about going back to my students and, you know, I, I go, you know, I really have to also give them the tools to work through this. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been studying, studying that DVD and then teaching, uh, teaching worm guard with emphasis on, how to deconstruct it and break it down as opposed to having an emphasis on like, look, everybody adopt this. Cause I really like it. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. So, mm. okay. You know, it's a, uh, um, I would consider it like a necessary evil. Um, but I, I, if I'm being totally honest, I wish that the, you know, the main grappling tournaments would make that, that guard illegal. Cause it's just, you know, I don't know. What, you know, okay, so I know. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's unfortunate that 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 such a situation has occurred, right? Because you got you got things like beating bolo, you got worm guard, uh, you got you got another thing like um, rubber guard, which people have opinions about that as well. I mean these 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 positions, these situations that are occurring that are very again specialized and unique to the situation that that is being presented versus. Um, actually like being able to apply in a self-defense situation. So like, 
uh, I think one of the reasons Eddie Bravo brought up uh, that uh, combat jujitsu was to kind of get around some of these things, make it a little more realistic. But then that gets abused. I've seen people slap the shit out of other people, you know. Yeah. And, and and I'm yeah. and I remember thinking like there should be a rule against that. But I mean, how many like I, I guess my what I'm the point I'm trying to say is is like you can make a rule. And then you're going to need to make another rule and then you're going to keep making these rules just so that you can make it more i agree this is like how can you stop that you know i i just don't know how you would stop from something else emerging some other new weird obscured position well that, that people here's the only here's the only thing i would here's the only thing i would say like that might so it, it might that might run like counter to it might run counter to that. Um, so think of like, think of some of the rules that we take for granted that are already in place. You can, so you can take the lapel, the bottom of the lapel, you can take it out of the belt. You can feed it around your leg. You can feed it around the other leg. You can, and then you can pass it to your other hand. And then you can also grab the bottom of the person's belt and incorporate that grip in with the rest of it. But you're not allowed to put your fingers inside the pants. Right. Yeah. Now, that's like, a silly rule. Well, uh, well, I, I'm not even judging whether whether or not it's a silly rule, but I'm uh -huh. saying like that 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 simple grip has become that's the, that's normalized as an as an illegal grip. We're, like we're all just like, yeah, you can't put your, you know, you can't put your hand in the pants. You have something else like the knee reap. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason that should be illegal. There's no reason whatsoever. Um, the Americana submission is far more dangerous in many ways than the heel hook but we teach guys the, the Americana on their very first day and people take it too fast and guys get their shoulders ripped apart. And we've, for some reason, we don't count it as like the dangerous, you know, submission that it is, but the heel hook gets totally demonized. So I guess what I'm saying is there's like, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like logic in like well thought out, um, it's just not well thought out, like what, what's legal and what's illegal. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I say you make you make those you make those grips and that reap, you make that legal. And then you cut out this sort of, you know, uh, odd, very specific lapel feeding. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. What it's would a, you. OK, so then what, what would you implement in order to kind of like stop some of these things other than like, cause I mean the, the way you got to phrase it is, is like, okay, well you can't do this with the lapel and then blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. So like, what would you, I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would, I mean, this is, you know, it's kind of like, <clears throat> I, I thought the phrasing on that, but my, my, my thoughts about the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu rule set, generally speaking, I mean, I have like sweeping revisions that I would make to the point system and then like the style, but just talking about this specifically, I would just say that, you know, you're, you're not allowed to touch, uh, you know, any portion of the lapel that is like at belt level or below, like you just got to keep your hands off it, you know? Um, now, like I'm not signing off on that as a, you know, a rule I would like to implement. Like, again, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to learn the system so I can counter it and mm -hmm. not have to deal with it. But I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't really have a well-formed opinion on it. I no, guess. no, I understand you're spitballing here. You're, you're trying yeah. to think of what would be a good way to specifically in this case, get rid of 
Wormguard and possibly anything that looks like it or may use something similar? I would, so I, I would like to see the incentives in competition. So the self-defense crowd always complains, maybe not complains, but like there's sort of like a snubbing of like the competitive aspect of jujitsu. Um, we can maybe put a pin in this, but I think that, I think that like the best Brazilian jujitsu competitors are going to perform better in self-defense situations than the best self-defense practitioners. Now, yeah, put a pin in that. But I would like to see the incentives in tournaments change. I would like to see, um, I would like to see uh, two points docked from anybody who pulls guard. Um, I would maybe even like to see further rewards for uh, for takedowns. Um, and I think what that would do is it would shift the incentives in a way where Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu starts to look a, a lot more like a combat sport again rather than two guys running to the middle of the mat and then both sitting down. You know, it's like, you, you, you can't show that to your friends that don't know jujitsu because they're going, this is what you do. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. You, 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 pay to, to go to a, to a, a, a gymnasium and butt scoot across for a win. Like yeah. it's kind of, I mean, it's, 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 I'm, I'm trying not to be too judge, judgmental generally, but it's, it's, it's lame, man. It just looks lame. It's um, not, it's not in the spirit of, of, of combat. It's, it's, it, yeah, sure. it's, it's another thing of what we're talking about here is it's like, you're trying to get around a deficiency you have by doing something else. Like, and so again, just like the worm guard, you're, you're getting around all these rules, you know, and, and creating something new. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't like the butt scooting, but like, I have been in situations in, in competition where the guy's not letting me throw him. I'm trying to throw him or I'm trying to, you know, take him down. It's not happening. Sure. And, you know, at the, you know, it's two minutes in or two and a half minutes in. Now I only have two and a half minutes or whatever left or whatever the time is to, to get my win. At that point, I got no choice. I'm going to, I'm going to sit and, and, you know, try to like maybe sweep them. Right. But, no, yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you so far. So, I mean, I understand, I understand there's a necessity for it, but I, I don't maybe instead, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, cause I mean, you do get, you do get penalized for stalling, right? I mean, isn't there, um, like, especially yeah, in a stand up yeah. situation, right? You, you can't, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they'll call penalties. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, 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 but then you get into a weird, like almost like prisoner's dilemma where, both athletes are waiting for the other one to sort of like break character and go for it. And we've seen at high levels, we've seen, we've seen guys get double DQ because they're both waiting on the other guy to go, you know, mm. with, with the, with the, with the guard pull, the, 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 the dock and the guard pull, I hope it would accomplish two things. I hope it would incentivize people to be more proficient with takedowns because right now there's no incentive to be more proficient with takedowns. You can sit, with no penalty applied as long as you make first contact. So th there's an incentive problem there. Okay. Um, so I think it would, it, it would turn the stand-up aspect of, of jujitsu um, into something that's going to look much more like a combat sport again. And then I think it's also going to be, it's going to be good for the guard players as well, because it's going to really push, it's going to push much more aggressive guard play. So if you, if you, if you are sort of beat 
in the takedown realm where you feel like you can't get, can't get the guy down. You're when you sit, you're going to have to work much harder and much more diligently to make up the point deficit that you just racked up. And so it's going to lead hopefully to more exciting guard play as well, because right now what you get is you get a lot of wrapping installing and waiting until the end of the match, you score your advantage you put your hand up and you get your win. That's some fucking bullshit too. I hate that shit. Yeah, and it happens. It happens all the time. And I like I've won that way on advantage again. It's an incentive problem. Like when I was in Indianapolis, um, I had done some near movement where I racked up an advantage, and then I had the guy in close guard, and it became clear to me like fairly early in the match that the guy just did not have the technical proficiency to break my guard open and pass. Like in just in that specific spot, I was, I was really far ahead of him. And so the competitor in me goes, well, I'm going to continue attacking and try to off balance and sweep him, but I'm not going to take any major risks because yeah. when this clock runs out, I'm going to get the win. Yeah. And like, that's, that, that's a problem. Like I, I don't like having to think that way to, to get a win, you know, mm. advantages. Yeah. I just, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I, I still don't understand them, but yeah. So yeah, I yeah. anyway, go ahead. So um, just in terms of uh, so uh, kind of changing gears a little bit here, I did want to ask you, and I and I you know you see the memes of like a white belt looks like this, a blue belt does this. I want to know what John Lawrence expects out of a white belt to go to blue belt and so on blue belt to purple, purple to brown, brown to black. And then what does a black belt look like? So like break it down. Cause I think, I think this is important. I think, especially for people who are, especially white belts, right? They want to know how do I get to a blue belt? Sure. Yeah. I've, I've actually put out a few, couple of like pretty, like sort of like long form videos on this. Um, but the funny thing is every time I talk about it, I feel like, my opinion on it changes a little bit. Um, there are a few general things I look for. Um, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be like really specific about it or not really specific about it, uh, but really kind of like, let me think about how I'd phrase this. Um, let's just say one thing I would look for potentially is for you to be able to uh, sort of handle people who come in for their first class you know, like if you're, if you're approaching blue belt, you should be able to handle this person um, without hurting them. You should be able to do it smoothly without getting tired. And you should be able to do this against somebody who is bigger than you are. So like that, I know is like a very like sort of like specific, you know, scenario. Uh, but that would be, that would be one, th one thing that a blue belt looks like. Um, that's, that's definitely something I like to see. Um Obviously, good fundamentals, and I'm not talking about like like understanding fundamental techniques, um, but fundamental concepts. You know, like the the, the conceptual part of jujitsu is a lot more important than 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 understanding like how to do a specific technique. So, if you think about something like the arm lock, um, I would expect a blue belt to understand, generally speaking, that like not how to perform not how to perform an arm lock necessarily from like different positions, but to understand that like in order to do an arm lock from any position, you need three things. You need control the arm. You need to establish uh, 
a perpendicular angle in most cases, and then you have to have sufficient light work. So arm control, angle, light work. Hmm. And if you think about that concept, you're going you're gonna to have arm control, angle, and leg work from an arm lock from the bottom closed guard. You're going to have it from top mount position. You're going to have it even if you fall off the person's back. You know, you're on their back and you, you fall off the top and you hit an arm lock that way. You're, you're still going to have all those things if you're doing it correctly. Um, so I, 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 like the, I like the blue belts to like, even if they, they couldn't recite it that way, you know, like applying the, those, those more broad concepts to a variety of, of, of positions. Mm. Um, so maybe, I, maybe that's a big ask too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I think for, for them to be able to verbalize, um, like, like every position is probably very, very difficult, but maybe a few positions, I think it would be, I would, I would, I would agree, I guess. What about a purple belt? What does a purple belt look like? Like a blue belt going to a purple, like what, what does he need to do to, to become a purple? So one, well, one other thing I would say about blue belts is and this, this is going to sound also like very general, very broad, but like, I just want it to look like you, you know what you're doing. Like it has to start to look like you're, you understand what you're doing. I, I don't know how silly that might sound to some people, but like as a jujitsu coach, that it just starts to look like something at a certain point in time where you you'll get you'll get some guys who come in and just on sheer athleticism and strength and speed they can they can I'm putting air quotes here they can sort of beat guys who are close to blue belts or, or you know very least rough them up yeah but as you're looking at it it doesn't look it doesn't really look, look like anything like it's not looking like proficiency in, in jujitsu. It just you looks know, like Bruce strength. Yeah. 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 It, it, it looks, it looks like a guy who kind of like, you know, knows, uh, you know, knows how to survive in a rough room basically, you know, but like, it's not, it, it doesn't actually look like anything that is, that is Brazilian jujitsu. Um, so like when a student starts to, starts to get that, get that, um, that proficiency and that smoothness and that flow, like I said, where, you know, the new guy comes in, and you beat him, but you beat him because you're, you're, you're moving more technically, you're moving more smoothly, you're making intelligent transitions. I mean, I, you know, I've got some tough white belts, like some really, really tough athletic white belts that can just crush people, especially like X, you know, like D1 wrestlers. Mm. But they're not, you know, you're not a blue belt in, in jujitsu yet because you're not actually doing the jujitsu things you're doing the wrestling things, which I, I fucking love wrestling. I think it's outstanding, but it's, it's not the same thing. Um, and, and then per, honestly, man, a purple belt, purple, brown, and black today. I mean, I could have maybe said something different about it 20 years ago, but today they look very similar. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, we've, we've got some purple belts who if they rolled with no belt on, you'd be, convinced they were black belts, you know, brown belts, same thing. The, the lines just get so blurry. Um, the lines get so blurry at purple. Um, but what, you know, I, I like to see guys, you know, I, I really like to see people compete well too, because that's another, that's another way that you can kind of know like where your athletes are. If you train with a bunch of people in the same room all the time, you know, it, it's, it's hard to know because everybody, like all the boats are rising, like they're all getting better together. Mm -hmm. um, 
so when you go when you go to another environment like a tournament uh it's kind of like a way to like to look at people outside of that that regular routine like that regular environment so you can really see like i mean sometimes i'll go to tournaments with a guy who i didn't think was that good and then they do incredibly well against athletes at a bunch of other schools Mm -hmm. and then sometimes you get a guy who you think is really special and you take him to a competition and for various reasons like they 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 don't perform you know um but that might also be like performance anxiety or something so like some people compete well versus other people like failing the test you know but that's see to to me like okay we're bringing a full circle now because like to me like that test matters a lot um it really matters to me like I think it's really amazing if you can go to a tournament and keep your shit together and, and manage your nerves and like still perform well. And this is where, this is where I think the self-defense proponents have got competitive jujitsu all wrong. Um, I think the, I think the athletes that can prepare diligently for tournaments, they can drill, they can sort of keep their body, you know, a temple, so to speak, you know, they're not, they're not drinking, they're not partying. I mean, this is, is this not like following the martial arts ethos, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're making sure like, you know, their, their body's in an optimal state to perform. Their mind is clear. They go to the competition, the moment comes. And I'm not even necessarily talking about victories. Like I just want to see a good performance. You, you can perform, you can perform like in stellar fashion, but just get paired up against somebody who's just, too far technically ahead of you. Yeah. And that's fine. You know? Mm. Um, but, but you get sandbagged. Like, yeah. But, like, <laughs> but, then, but then I think then, so like, so say you say you go to a school that's like really focused on self-defense and these people have not been drilling, you know, like leg drag passes, Toriano passes. And, you know, they don't have this like sort of competitive drilling mindset. Um, and so, you know, they're drilling like some, like some punch block stuff from standing and um, which, I, which I've, I've learned and I like, but you know, have you drilled that stuff before? You know, like the, punch block stuff from standing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. First of all, I love your tone when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's just, um, it, I like the stuff uh, just like you said, but um, I, I, first, well, I, I also, like well, hold on though, hold on. This is all right, important. go ahead. This is really important. All right, go ahead. Like, but do you like it though? Like that's what I'm asking you. Like no, no, don't ask me yet. Do you like it enough to drill it as much as you drill your leg drag passes and your Toriato passes? The answer almost across the board. I'm not answering for you, but the answer almost across the board for everybody is no. They don't like it as much. So what they don't do is they don't stay. They, you you don't get drilling sessions with your jujitsu buddies where you guys hang out and do punch block from standing. Nobody has ever done this. <laughs> Obviously that's not true. I'm sure somebody's done it, but like, so I guess what I'm saying is like that stuff is either too dangerous or not engaging enough or both for people to like actually show up and drill. Like if you, if you really are punching people like full speed, even with gloves on, like you're going you're to walk away with some concussive trauma. You're going to get dinged up. Or you drill it light enough to where it's not engaging at all. So people don't practice it for more than 10 minutes without getting bored. Or you have the competitive athlete who has come into the gym um, five days this week and has drilled his double legs, his single legs and his leg drag passes. 
I guess that's what I'm saying is like on average, like the competitor is still going to be better at self-defense than the self-defense guy, just based on the nature of the training, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, other, no, no, no. I agree because like the other, okay. the other thing too is, is like the, 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 with like things like wrestling, there's actual contact, full force, full action combat, right? right. Maybe, maybe it's not there. You don't have all the self-defense like applications, but I mean, you have the takedown, you have the control. That is a lot. Uh, kicking and punching, like in kickboxing and, and, and boxing and stuff like that. All those sports are much more, uh, are, are easily, are more easily used, I guess, like, uh, safely, I guess, but you can execute them. You can practice full force. When you can't do the thing full force, uh, you can't always execute, right? You don't have, you don't have the real world experience of it working. So you can't really depend on it. Right. So there's all kinds of issues with practicing like that. Although I, there are situations where that's necessary, but e even in some necessary situations, they, it works better when it's a, a technique you can actually hit someone with versus something, something like a, like a yeah. quick snap wrist lock thing that, that you have to do full force in order for it to work. And you can't, I mean, you summed it up, you summed it up perfectly. And that, and that's, that's, that's exactly how I, how I try to explain it to people who don't really understand is that like any technique that you can't practice um, aggressively, like I want to say full force, but like any technique you can't practice aggressively on a regular basis really is not worth much. Like the best form of self-defense in the world might be some martial art that nobody's ever made up where it's just all you do is you try to grab the guy's bulge and balls and gouge his eyes out. That's yeah. all you do, right? That might be the best martial art. For, for humans to learn <laughs> ball grabbing and eye poking. <laughs> the problem is you can't train that. No. So like if you can't, so if you can't train it in a way that is realistic and fairly aggressive on a regular basis, then it's like, you know, now, now like boxing has found some ways around that, right? Boxing, you got, you have heavy bags that you hit hard. Mitt work has become like a really important aspect of boxing training. And, uh, and they're actually like, they're, they're actually even like, you know, they're sparring less, but the guys who are really good are these guys who like touch spar, you know, yeah. like they're not, they're not beating each other up really bad, but I don't know. I guess that's also why you have the gloves and the headgear. Cause these guys, they are hitting each other really hard. Yeah. Well, the, I think the touch sparring, you see, that's an interesting thing. Uh, the touch sparring can only happen at a layer, uh, at a layer later level in that person's right. like c career, because right. you can't, I mean, touch sparring. Sure. You can do it with someone who's not, very experienced, but it, it's not as effective for, because that the touch sparring is really done for, for the sake of the, of the practitioner's brain, right? You don't want them to basically get punch drunk, right. you know? Right. So you're, you're doing it for their own safety and, and longevity. The, 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 so, but the, that's why you do the, the touch sparring so that you can keep that kind of like that fluid kind of motion that the ability to actually kind of practice but the hard sparring is necessary you you can't get there without right. being able to, to hard spar at one point and i think even some of the best still towards the end of their training camp will still do a hard sparring session here and there or maybe more than just a, a couple but like the, the hard sparring is essential for you to learn at least learn in the beginning 
because you because one thing too unfortunately is how do you react when you get hit right yeah like, it's huge. yeah so like if you if you if you get dazed if you get you know if you get punched in the stomach right and 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 you get the wind knocked out of you can you can you weather the storm like that's it's part of the learning of of being a fighter but um so they're so they're, so they're doing like perfect yeah like they're doing that in boxing yeah you know like they're like they're actually they're they're putting on headgear and they're putting on gloves and they're actually hitting each other full force um i think i think this is something you pay for later in life you but, do but you can weather in the moment right mm-hmm. now let's go back to the sort of traditional self-defense based brazilian jiu-jitsu school um with a few exceptions like the students the students are not gloving up and hitting each other really hard i mean i've seen i've i've had our students glove up i've seen other schools glove up but it's still it's still like very it's still like very sort of like pitter patter and it's not i don't think it's the thing that's necessarily done on a regular interval uh at, at a lot of these places um and uh yeah so you know it's just um if you really did, if you really had a school that did that, where it's like you you wore gloves at every practice, you could always strike in all cases. And that's what people drilled. They drilled it light. They drilled it like specific sparring style, like specific drilling. And then they did it full force. Then like you, re- I mean, you're, then you're essentially training mixed martial artists. You yeah. Know, that's the way you're doing that, you know? Yeah, so. for sure. Because I mean that again, they're, they're like you said, there's self-defense techniques you can't use like eye gouging i mean that would be a lot easier than trying to apply a you know a head and arm choke you know from you know while mounted you know you could just stab the dude in the eye and be done with it right really think but think about again like time allocation like i have you ever been well i'm not gonna i'll just say i I, i've been to a place where like they will or the one of the things you would drill is you would drill how to like block a sidekick and then like take the person down now like how often is that scenario going to come up? You know what I mean? Like how that it's just so, <laughs> it's so specific and it's so niche. And it's like, so like if you, if you, if you dedicate a half hour to that, you know, in any given month or any given six month cycle, like, is that really a wise allocation of your time? You know, I, I would say that it's not, you know, there are things that are, like nice to haves, right? For example, um, for a long time, we didn't see spin kicks in in uh, like UFC, for example, or sure. in MMA in general. Uh, basically, because at one point, I guess they they deemed them useless or just kind of like they're, they're too easily telegraphed. But then, like you know, people like Henan Barrow are knocking people out, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so there there's a rise of it, but. <sighs> And at least in that situation, it's very, again, it's a unique scenario. Nobody's going to be throwing spin kicks on the street. That's what I'm saying. It's it's like, it's very, it's, you you can talk about like what works in MMA and that's that's one thing, but then you can talk about like what, what's likely if you do get into some weird, I don't even know how people get into these, but if they get into some weird self-defense situation where, you know, it's always like I was at a bar and this, I don't, I don't know how, (laughs) I don't know how this happens, but, um, but yeah, like, I mean, what are the chances that you're going to have somebody throw a spin kick at you, yeah. you know, or, you know, you could, you could funnel your training time into, you know, 
learning how to shoot like a nice sweep single leg from a few feet away. And you could apply that, you know, daily, basically yeah. in your training, you know, um, when's the last time you were jujitsu sparring and your partner tried to sidekick you? I just, <laughs> I just, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I just for tradition too. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, at, at my gym, I'm the only one who knows how to throw a sidekick. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, there's not many people who even know how to, in certain scenarios, like would even throw a sidekick, but like, yeah, I would. I, so in, in a scenario like that, where someone would kick, would you consider teaching them something to defend against a kick or not at all? You would just like, screw it. doesn't matter what they throw. You're going to take them down. Um, I, like I said, it's just, it's so, it's just. Cause people will soccer kick you. They will try to soccer kick you. And I've seen, and, and even in like stupid street fight videos where you have the two schmucks fighting at a fucking gas yeah. station, right, right, right. one of them knows how to throw a roundhouse kick and it's always a roundhouse is either a front kick of some kind or, or some ugly roundhouse kick, but neither, not that they know anything. There's just the likelihood of what's going to be thrown as a kick. Those are the two things, not a spin kick, not a side kick, not a hook kick, not any of these other fancy kicks. So would you even consider um, doing teaching the defense against that? Or you still find it useless, not useless, hands, but keep, keep your hands up. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, uh, obviously that's, that's, I know that's kind of, that's kind of dense, but, um, uh -huh. but like you really, you really actually have to have to figure out and define like what it is that you're actually talking, what, what people are actually talking about when they're talking about training for a self-defense situation. Like, I think it's important to actually define that because you might be talking about one thing and I might be talking about something totally different. So like, what is your average person person envision when they're talking about being prepared for a self-defense situation? What does that mean? Uh, well, look, I have, I have opinions about, self-defense in general and i i don't know if it's very I, I don't know what people will feel like oh what i'm about to say but let's have it <laughs> just in general uh i think a a major portion of self-defense is avoidance you just right. don't right. put yourself right. in that situation there's right. ways to de-escalate de there are ways to avoid it there's like there's a dark alley and there's a bunch of assholes hanging out in the alley don't go down, don't go down that fucking alley. Don't be an asshole yourself and go down there and look for trouble. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings because they're going to think I'm like, you know, profiling them or whatever. So what? You know, it, they don't know that. They may not even notice you're there. Don't go down the alley. Like, that's one piece of it, right? Avoidance. Oh, yeah. But like, as far as the avoidance piece of it, like, uh, I take it down to the fact that you should also be in a situation where you don't have to face these things to begin with. You're, you're, it's, you know, you may work in the city. It's unavoidable. You have to come in from the suburbs to the city, or you might have to go from your nice neighborhood to, to, you know, through a, a not so nice neighborhood. But generally speaking, you want to kind of minimize the amount of exposure to something like this, you know, however unlikely it might be in your life, but like, don't live you know, make enough so that you don't live in a jacked up area, you know, make enough so that you can defend yourself by not being there. That is one kind of concept. And if, if you can do that, 
then these scenarios where people are like beating you up at you know at the local grocery store is not is, are far less likely. Now, I've lived in some of these neighborhoods where things weren't so nice because, I mean, everybody does at one point in their life, right? You know, maybe money's not as, uh, you know, you don't have as much money as you, as you would like or whatever, and you end up living in wherever. But even then, like, I didn't get into these problems these people had. Like, sure, I've seen people get mugged, but nobody was ever mugging me, you know? Nobody ever attacked me. and. So maybe it had something to do with the fact that I'm a man. I'm not a short person, you know, sure. I'm not, I don't fit the criteria that maybe that some of these people were looking for in terms of victim, you know, a a victim, but regardless, you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I didn't have these, these interactions, you know, I, I, I got in one fight. I kind of picked the fight and I, and I got, I got beat up. Right. Not beat up, but like I got punched and knocked out basically is what happened. That was in high school. So like, you know, that, that, that was the one scenario, you know, where I had a fight, you know? So I think like all these situations were like, well, this guy's going to come and he's going to like attack you with a knife. That's just like, "Eh." like he's going to attack you with a gun. And if if he's going to attack you and and you're just going to give him your wallet, that's what you should do. So, all right. So that so the the, de- the definition of a self defense situation like is obviously like so broad. Some people think it's like you know it, it could be like a bar fight. Some people think it could be a home invasion. Yeah. Some people think you could get jumped by several people. Some people think it's going to be like in the Never Back Down movie where people form a circle around you and then you just fight one on one, right? Um, like, it's funny because it's like it's pe- people don't even really understand what it is they're talking about preparing for when they say like um uh, you know it's for self-defense it's like you if you really dig down they don't even know what they're talking about in terms of like definition you know like i'm training for self-defense what do you mean by that like well um you know if like i'm out and like somebody says something to me well okay if somebody says something to you well then you just go about your business no no like if they try to like fight me, like, well, are you backed into some weird concrete box that you can't get out of? You run away or you go, you give, you yeah. get a cop, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so people, I think people, I think there are some parallels also like with concealed carry people who like, you know, and I'm not against concealed carry, but I'm saying like, there's some parallels with this mentality where you like, you think you're going to do a certain thing when you pull out your gun in a certain scenario. And it's just like, it's just wacky. So I guess, what, I guess what I'm saying is like bring it all the way back to the competition thing. Yeah. I think the best thing that you can do, if you want to be generally ready for self-defense, whatever the hell that means to you, you need to be able to know that like you can dial in and perform under pressure and the place that's going to happen on a regular basis on a regular training interval for you is going to be at competitions. Yeah. You know? So like, that's, that's just like, that's how I view, that's how I view like one of the most important aspects of like being ready for a self-defense situation is, are you going to shit your pants if a mm-hmm. fight breaks out? Or like, are you, are you going to be like somebody who's been there before or been cl- like close to there before, yeah. you know? Um, um, it's important. I, I'll, I understand what you're saying. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with any of the stuff that you're saying. My problem is, is that I don't, 
God forbid, knock on wood, I don't ever have to actually use martial arts. I'm yeah, like 40, 40 plus years old now. I haven't really ever had to use martial arts, you know, um, practicing avoidance is basically all I needed to ever do. Um, but the, I, the reason I practice jujitsu and it's not some, and this is again, like something that was, I guess, taught to me, like there was a, I, I was, I took capoeira at one point and the instructor of capoeira was given a lecture and she said, Basically, she said, you know, uh, don't take capoeira and expect to be some kind of badass and expect to, like, you know, win fights and and defend your your family or your honor or whatever. This is like, if you're going to take capoeira, you know, take capoeira for what it is. Take capoeira because you want to take capoeira. Take practice capoeira for the sake of practicing capoeira, which is and that's kind of my my place in or my head that's where my head is at when it comes to this stuff i would love to be prepared at all times for battle but i like pizza too much <laughs> so um uh that's my problem um, <laughs> but but i mean i i don't i don't think that that what you're saying is is wrong because i mean uh it's it's important to be able to act right when when you you need to be able to think on your feet, whether it's jujitsu or a question in the meeting or being able to answer to something, you know, this has got to be you got to be able to turn it on, regardless of the situation. And I think jujitsu is a great place for the, for you to practice that. Uh, I don't. Uh, I again, hopefully, something shit shitty doesn't happen to me where like I lose my job or something awful happens and you know I, I end up living in the, in the places that I lived in when I was a kid but like you know uh, hopefully I continue to live the way I live now away from all that stuff and and I will never have to use jujitsu or martial arts like that but um but I, I think uh I, I think it's just you know it's unlikely for me to ever be um uh having to use martial arts, just like I would think it's unlikely for me to ever have to use a gun in a home invasion, you know, uh, uh, God forbid, you know, something like that happens. But even then, like, uh, even if I had a gun, at least as paranoid as I would be, I wouldn't be able to get to it in time to stop the home invasion. So I, I just, uh, I, I agree with you in terms of like the nuts that, that say, Oh, well, you know, you gotta be ready for the, the 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 apocalypse you know it's <laughs> like dude it's not you know if it was going to happen it would have happened already you know yeah i think i think i think you know at least in terms of the self-defense stuff i think one of the most important aspects again is just being able to keep being able to keep your mind being able to manage your mind in that in that, in that situation and then um act to the best of your abilities and i think competitive jujitsu is good is is the best way to serve both of those things you're gonna you're gonna know how to move your body well enough to subdue somebody who is you know let's just say an untrained attacker and then you're also going to have been in these situations that are extremely high pressure and it's uh, it's stress inoculation mm. you know stress inoculation is, is it's super important it's actually one of the ways that we uh we talked we talked previously about like how we get people ready for competition and stress inoculating people is is a major part 
of, uh, of, of, of what we do at the school and like I would say the two weeks leading up to like going to a big comp. That's huge, man. Stress inoculation. Like that is, that is, I mean, that is useful in any scenario, right? Yeah, just right. being, that, I mean, not just an athletic yeah. scenario, but like in other scenarios that that's like meetings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much good stuff, so much use that you can get out of jujitsu, not necessarily for um, self-defense situations, but just, just for life, you know? Well, so what, yeah. So one thing that, one thing that we'll do, uh, like, you know, like two weeks out is we'll, we have, we'll have practice and then at that practice and pretty much in all the practices during that week, we will put, we, we tape off a ring or I should say a square, um, in the middle of the mat at the gym. And then we spread the team to both sides. And then we put two people in the middle for two minutes. It's uh-huh. just two minutes. That's it. You know? And, uh, I, 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 try, I, I coach them in a very specific way of sort of how to manage the moment. We've got like, you know, some, some, some cues and some things we tell the athletes how to manage it. Um, first time people ever do it, they say it's the hardest thing they've ever done. Like even harder than like actually going to the tournament because they're surrounded by their teammates and, and peers, and, uh-huh. you know, but after I have an athlete for, you know, six months, a year, and they've like, been coached through this process properly a few times like they get in there slap bump and they're breathing with their mouth you know closed at the end breathe through their nose calm they still have their grips um and, and it really it then it pays off when they go to like you know not just a competition but any, any high pressure situation that they go to outside the gym i mean what what in your life is going to be is going to be more high energy and stressful than me taping off a competition area and putting you in front of 60 people that you train with every day. Yeah. No music, you know, it's quiet. It's, it's, it's something. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the, the one guy is trying to break your arm. Right. Uh, also, also that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better be present. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. So um, one thing you mentioned in our last podcast was you, you said that there is these, uh, I think you said specifically, I think you said it was a purple belt or purple belts. I shouldn't say it was like an individual person, but you said that you would see these people who played a passive game uh, and uh, you had, you know, you had a problem with it because I mean, well, I mean, of course, because I mean, people, you know, keep, then people get dominated by lower belts who are just maybe not as smart or technically, yeah. you know, knowledgeable, but, but just more aggressive. So like, how do you, do you, what do you do for, for that individual who's a little, cause I mean, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I play a real like cool, relaxed game. I'm not, I'm not trying to rip people's heads off, you know? But so like yeah, for yeah. a person like myself, what would you say? Like, okay, so like, you know, stop being a wimp or what would you, what's your, what's um, your, what do you think is the remedy for that? The first thing, I, the first thing I would say is that there, there's, there's a time and a place for all intensities. There are times that we train with essentially like no resistance, crazy, crazy, crazy light. There are times that we train with sort of low to moderate resistance, moderate to high resistance. And then in the case of those two minute drills that I just talked about, that's a very short interval, very high intensity. Um, So I I think there's a time and a place for, for all levels of intensity. And I don't even have a problem with guys who have like what you, what you kind of consider like a chill style. What I have a problem with is people who 
Number one, they build bad habits when they spar because they think that they're like flow rolling, but they're really just rolling really crappy. I'll talk mm. about that in a second. And then I also have a problem with people who don't understand that there's a, there's a time and a place for all of those gears. You know, it's like driving a fast car. Like, no, you don't want to be in fifth gear the whole time. But there are also going to be some, some times when it's like appropriate to like shift it up and then shift it back down. So I have a problem, the, 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 those two things. Um, so the first one, like bad habits, <clears throat> you know, you know how to flow roll, right? I mean, it's the flow roll podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I want you to just imagine that like, you know, you're, you're, you're flow rolling with like a white belt. He's been training for like six months to a year. You clearly have like much more tech, technical acumen than he does. Like you're much sharper. So just visualize me here. You slap, you bump, you take a seat because that's kind of like what the you know higher ranks typically do against the white belts. They kind of you know they'll sit, play bottom, um, and then let's say the guy just grabs one of your legs and just whips it hard to the side. Try to visualize like what you do under normal like sort of flow roll circumstances. What I see a lot of guys do is as the guy flings your legs you turn your hips away from the guy, like your knees and your hips face away, your head faces away. And the guy runs around and passes your guard into side control. Because why? Because you're working your bottom game and you're working your escapes and you're going to get out of the position mm -hmm. so far. So is yeah, that yeah. Okay. Right. So the thing that I have a problem with is the bad habit that you just built where a guy just brutally threw your legs to the side and you let your hips and your knees turn away and then you let the guy just run around into side control. You can still train super chill and super light with a brand new guy, but then also still obey the, the rules of perfect jujitsu and like perfect jujitsu fundamentals. There's no reason that you couldn't face in, try to very like gently pummel your leg over the top. If it gets in, it gets in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you've not formed any bad habits. Like you're mm -hmm. still doing the same perfect jujitsu that you would do against a black belt but you've lowered the intensity and the speed and the strength dramatically. And if the guy does something, you know, he makes some, some move that's actually technical and not brutish and he cuts through because your speed and your strength is diminished, then you work from that position, but you haven't formed any bad habits. I see what you're saying. You see the difference. So like sometimes I'll see guys think they're flow rolling and that what they're actually doing is they're just rolling really slow and sloppy. Yeah. That's you know yeah no yeah no for sure okay so then that 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 makes me feel better because i don't do that shit <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah yeah i don't I intentionally huh I, I said i see i see it's you it's it's almost universally like people i did not train like from uh -huh. the ground up because because like I, i've been hammering this stuff for a while but yeah I, I get a lot of like transfers from other schools and i see you guys train like that and i'm like no i'll just be like why like why did you why did you just like turtle up just then why did you do that he's like i'm, I'm you know i'm, I'm uh like i'm kind of like flow rolling i'm like don't do it like that you, know? <laughs> you still, still want to move perfect so your, your body remembers how to position itself well but you can certainly like you can certainly ch be a chill roll without being a crappy one yeah you know? yeah okay okay i feel better about you, myself so you're good <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Now, i just I just generally suck. That's all it is. <laughs> it's, it's not that I suck on purpose. Uh, you know, no, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I do all the things that you're supposed to do. I pummel the legs. I, you know, even with my kids, you know, I'll, you know, I, I mean, 
again, I'll do the things that you're saying, you know, but I'll, I, I practice things like, okay, this is what a half guard looks like. I want them to be able to know what a half guard really looks like and sure. be able to get out of it, you know, cause that's the other thing. That's the other component that you're doing here, especially in the case that you're illustrating where you have a purple belt and a white belt. If you're giving the white belt everything they want, they don't know what a real role looks like, you know, and part of that is your fault for giving them everything, you know? Fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, let's see how you feel about the second one. Um, the concept that it is appropriate to be able to shift through first and fifth gear, you know, and hit all those gears in between. And then also just to understand like when it's appropriate to do that. Um, one thing that's really important to me is, is people who have like goal oriented training. Okay. So do you, uh, do you lift weights at all? I do. Okay. So like, if you, let's say you go to the gym, like what's like, what's, what's an exercise you might do? Well, I mean, I, I have your basic, like uh bodybuilder type uh, split. So I, I do chest, I do oh. arms on another day. And then I do legs on the, on the last day. I do. All right. So do me a favor. Walk, uh, walk into the gym uh-huh. and tell me what you're going to do when you, when you get to the bench press, what do you do? First thing is I get the stuff ready and I do just, just the bar, just to kind of get going and get okay. my motion, right. Make sure I'm not doing something stupid with my, with my bar, make right. sure I keep the, the, the bar even. And it's just, just the bar 45 okay. pounds. And then I slowly add weight onto it set by set until I get to where I want to be. And then I press. Okay. So, so what you, what you, what you just did is you just defined like a very specific, uh, like a very specific thing that you were going to do for your workout uh, that, you know, it, it's oriented toward a goal of getting stronger. Now what people will do in jujitsu for reasons I don't totally understand is the exact opposite thing. Let's say now you're back with that white belt and um, you slap, you bump and you, you sort of lay down. People will often lay down without any specific, um, set of goals in mind, any specific objective. It's just sort of put my hand back, just kind of see what happens here. We're just kind of like, we'll see what he does. But like nobody goes into like a strength and conditioning session with that mentality. You said you've got a 45 pound weight, like you've defined it. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're going to bang out, you know, 20 reps with that thing, just kind of get things moving a little bit. But like mm-hmm. normally what people have is they have a repetition count and they have a weight count. And then they've got also like, a set of goals related to like why they're there. You're trying to get your chest stronger, right? Mm-hmm. For some reason in jujitsu, people abandon this when they spar. And so I talk to people about like being very goal oriented, even when they spar. So like if I'm sparring with, you know, guy who's a blue belt, like I'm not walking into that match blind. Like I might even have a little book written down. Like today I'd like to hit an ankle pick takedown. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, to hit a leg drag pass, get to the mount, and then I want to hit my technical mount arm lock. I want to hit my spider web series. And uh, because I'm rolling with the blue belt, I want to tap this guy out. Um, let's just say maybe once, you know, let, let, let's set a specific number. I want to tap this guy out two, two times in five minutes, right? Oh, wow. And then, and then after that, um, after that, I get to, you know, I can do whatever I want. Then I can sort of go into like flow roll mentality, but, but, but like, for that five minutes, like I have a set of goals. Like I have a, I, I have a specific thing I want to do. You know, I have, a, I have a specific path that I want to go down. And then I might even have like a submission count. So just like a rep count, like I have a submission count because then it, 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 it'll, you know, it, it will, it'll funnel you toward like 
I mean, you just, you have objectives, you know, as opposed to like, I'm sure, I'm sure. And what that does is it will, it will sort of like, it'll make your training like lazy proof because not, we don't always feel hundred percent. We come into the gym, we feel tired, we feel lazy, but if I've got written down in the book that I want to hit this takedown, this submission, this sweep today, and then I have objectives and goals that are specific to like the level of my training partner it's, it just lazy proofs the whole thing. I can't be lazy because I've got to do these things. Mm. Right. Um, that's amazing. Of, yeah. But I think a lot of times in jujitsu, because it is such like a, you know, like Shaka, you know, chill sport. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to go in there. I'm just going to kind of move around a little bit, like kind of roll light, bro. Let's just mm. roll light. That's a whole other thing we can get into. Let's just roll light. That roll light um, never happens. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it never fucking happens. I was just like, dude, just, do what you're going to do. Don't tell me that bullshit. All right. Cause then, <laughs> then I lay down and, and try to chill and you fucking, you're trying to rip my head off. <laughs> yeah. It's a, but it's, but it's like, yeah, I'll see, I, I will, I'll see guys, you know, like they, they will just, they're just sort of like almost unintentionally like phoning practice in because they did not, they have no short-term midterm or long-term goals. Like they're just kind of doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, that's the difference between, you know, there's a difference between teaching somebody jujitsu, like you're teaching techniques and training methodologies and then coaching somebody. Teaching is something that happens like within a specific classroom setting. Coaching is looking at somebody through, you know, over the arc of their entire career, the next six months, the next six years, the next 16 years, like that's coaching, you know? But people use those interchangeably. There's teaching, there's coaching. I try, I'm, I'm trying to do both, obviously. You know? mm-hmm. That's amazing, dude. That's that's some solid advice. Now, look, I'll, I'll be honest. I do go to the gym and I do think about, okay, today I'm going to do this, right? Sure. But I don't have like an overarching overall plan, like what you're describing. Like you I, for, for jiu-jitsu, just to be clear? For, for jiu-jitsu, yeah. Like when I go to jiu-jitsu, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on taking the back, regardless of where I'm from. So I'm going to transition to the back and then try to get my back choke or get my, uh, my chokes from the back going. And, but, but then tomorrow I'll have a different goal, you know, tomorrow I'll be like, Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to be, you know, trying a little rubber guard or maybe I'm going to be doing Delahiva guard or, or something. Yeah. Like I'm going to make it so that I get to Delahiva. I don't have like a, like I, I'm not thinking it as thoroughly as you are because that mindset lasts for maybe the first round, you know? So yeah, like yeah. I roll with my first guy and then the second I've, I've already forgotten what I was doing. Like I'm, I'm already, I, I did what I was going to do. I'm, I'm on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so like, it's, it's great to hear you say that we should be planning this. Like we should be thinking we should be rolling with intention. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's, it's hard because, so let's say uh, it's hard because the urge, like for, for, for most of the guys at the gym, the urge to dominate is so strong. Like it's so fun and so rewarding to dominate and tap people out. Like it feels so good. Mm-hmm. But the truth is like, that's actually not the best way to get better. Like, I, I, so I'll recommend to, I, we have a lot of wrestlers in Ohio. We have these guys with these wicked top games, mm-hmm. but I feel like sometimes their bottom games are deficient because they're so good and imposing their, their, their takedowns and their top pressure that they actually never spend a lot of time at the bottom. Yeah. So what I've recommended to these guys transitioning from blue sort of like to purple belt, I've got several of them is that you want to grab 
the six month white belts, the one year white belts, you want to pull guard and you want to work, you know, whatever system or movement chain that you prefer from that position, I can kind of help guide them in that direction. But, you know, after doing that for a round and hitting some scissor sweeps or some arm locks or whatever you're working on, that urge to dominate bubbles back up again. And so round two, round three, we're right back to hitting those blast double legs, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it feels so good, do it. Yeah, it does. Um, and so like it, it, it takes a lot of restraint and like a lot of um, delayed gratification, like on, on the part of like those athletes, like if they actually want to get better, you know, mm. like, um, yeah. So anything you want to work on, presumably you want to work on it because you're not awesome at it. So, so, so in terms of like an overall plan, like, let's say, okay, let's say I want to get really good at taking, taking the back right from any position. Okay. Um, how long should I, should my, cause I mean, when I, when I, for example, do weight training, I don't change my weight training, uh, routine until a year from now. Cause you don't really see gains until like you're done in a year and then you can look back and you're like, okay, now I need to kind of change this cause I'm getting too big this way or whatever. So then like, is, is there a, should I be taking a similar approach when it comes to rolling with intention, like you're saying, and, and, and kind of saying, okay, this month or this week or this, like how long should that period be for me to be done with playing, you know, taking the back? Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think that, that is probably going to be different for everybody. And I think what would pro what would probably should would probably should stop that is when you feel like you've spent a lot of time there and like the, the, the improvement and like the evolution in that position is starting to plateau. So it would be just like weightlifting mm -hmm. or a strength and conditioning routine where you, 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 you'll, you would, you'd want to, you'd want to change your methodology when you like, when you, when you feel like you're plateauing, it may be the same thing. So some people, and also it really depends how you train. Um, so like, let's, so let's maybe let, let's play with this idea a little bit. So if you, what would be, what would be your, um, let's just say you had a totally dedicated training partner. I drilling do. Part, drilling. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. So you got this, you got this person, you have access to mats. So <clears throat> like, how would you, what, what would your approach be to like getting better at back attacks and back control? Like what would you do? So, uh, currently that, that training partner that I have, we're just, we just started, like, I just started going back to jujitsu. So like okay. I went, I'm going Monday to the class, but then I'm, I'm practicing with my partner, uh, once a week, next week, we're going to start doing twice a week, but it's still just sparring at this point. We okay. haven't, we haven't laid down any of this kind of groundwork that you're talking about. So, I mean, okay. If I was, um, I, I, I just didn't want to present some kind of, oh, this is what we're doing. No, I'm um, curious. I'm curious yeah. though, like, because you're, you're, you're going to be the architect of your, of your training. So I'm curious, like, you know, just like how, how you would think about approaching it. So, uh, at this point, uh, I've been, I, I've up to this point, even like over, uh, the pandemic, I've been working, trying to kind of, uh, work a good defense um of an open guard and also on um, you know conversely like working passing the open guard right so okay. that's what i've been working on uh at this point i kind of i don't know if i plateaued as much as i'm just kind of bored of it you know um 
so I'm ready to like do something else. So actually back takes is something that kind of started happening a little during these, these sparring sessions that I've been having with the, with, with my partner. Yeah. And I've realized that sure I'm good. I'm okay at getting the back, but I'm not being, I'm not being very effective to either choking my, or getting the choke or, or transitioning to something else that'll, that'll get me the win. So, um, that's where I'm at now. So now if I'm going to practice something at this point would be, uh, finishing on the back take. Okay. That's good. So let's, let's say then you get together with your, with your partner, you guys are, you know, stretch out, warm up, whatever. And then you hit the mats. So like, again, assuming that you guys are sort of like, you know, the architects of this training, you don't have like a coach standing over you. Mm. What's, 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 what, what are you doing first? Oh, the first thing, well, part of this is, is also like what we usually do is we'll roll a couple of times then talk about the things we did wrong. Okay. And then we'll go over a couple of techniques. This is what we've been doing. So like we'll roll a couple of times and then he'll say, Hey, you know, you did this wrong, you know, or you did this. I noticed that you did that. And then I'll tell him, Hey, I noticed you did this you did that. you can do this. And then we'll, we'll fix it. And that improves the 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 last rolls but we like i'll show them a few positions and stuff like that but we don't really practice we don't drill we'll just go ahead and do it right and then that alone was enough to kind of change the sparring after that after that point sure, sure. Yeah. so if i was uh, you know i want to keep it interesting for my partner i would probably continue doing something um of this nature but i guess i would have to kind of bring up the fact that we should be drilling right because right now we're just we're just you know rolling rolling and then talking about it and then rolling again sure yeah okay cool um so maybe uh maybe maybe a few maybe a few adjustments you, you talked about like you talked about two levels of intensity you've got like you got the level of intensity that everybody commonly know commonly knows is drilling you know, like we, we, all, we all kind of know from a traditional classroom setting, what drilling looks like uh, and then sparring, you know, we know what that looks like too. Um, one thing that's really useful is to be able to, to bridge the gap between those two intensities with sort of like a, um, like a, almost like a gradient. So like put it on a scale of like one to 10. So obviously we're going to rank drilling at like a one. And then you're going to rank the sparring at a nine or a 10 sort of depending. Um, and then I don't even know what, what is the dip? This matters. What is the difference in your skill level? What do you mean? Oh, and, and uh, he's probably a blue belt. Okay. Oh no, he is a blue belt. Okay. He's a blue belt. I'm a purple belt. So, um, <clears throat> so when you get, when you guys are, when you guys are doing back control, that's so you, you, have, you have a gradient, you've got, you, you know, one is basically drilling nine and 10 is sparring. Uh, so what I like to, what I like to do is obviously people have to learn what the hell it is they're doing first. So yes, you have to start at a one, right? But then what you might do is you might spend three, two or three minutes on his back working for submissions. He might spend two or three minutes on your back working for submissions. And then throughout the course of, I would say an hour at minimum, you're going to, you could even set it to a timer. You could slowly bring that perceived resistance up, you know? So now we're at a two, now we're at a three, now we're at a four. The point where as you're attacking, 
you know, the person who's resisting you, if you're working on a tax, they're only really trying to resist you 20, 30, 40%, you know, just a little bit. Um, and this, this speaks to the skill of like being actually good at drilling. Like people don't actually think of like being a good drilling partner or being good at drilling, like as a skill, but it's an, ex- it's, it's an extremely important, like applied skill in jujitsu. Like we've all had a shitty drilling partner. We don't might not even know why the person mm. just sort of like flops around. They have no base. They react sort of technically incorrectly. Um, so that so that's one thing that I would I would say would be like extremely helpful is to like walk the resistance up. So in the beginning, you're successful essentially every single time you attack, and then you're successful eight out of ten times, then six out of ten times, then four out of ten times, and finally you're at that place where you're like really going, right? But when you first teach a kid how to tie their shoes, you know, it's it's much like jujitsu, fine motor movements, there are steps, there's a procedure. You don't tell the kid how to do it and then stand over them and yell, like, you gotta hurry up, you gotta hurry up, you gotta hurry up, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, no, so like in, in something like that, you don't go from one to nine mm. or one to 10 like immediately, you would never teach a kid how to tie their shoes that way. So that's what you're saying. I'm doing when, with the with the sparring, then stopping and talking about it, and then sparring. No, no, no. I guess what, what what I'm saying what I'm saying is there needs to be a bridge between drilling and sparring. Okay. Like you, like you, like like you you have to you have to acclimate to that high intensity. Like I see you, you I mean you see it a lot in classrooms where like the teacher will show like an arm lock from the guard, and you see people drill it. You know, and the teacher's walking around going, don't, you know, don't resist, don't resist. Like the new guy's like, like it got his arm all tensed up and he's not letting you pass it. Teacher comes over, don't resist, don't resist. Um, and, uh, and then you go from, you go from that setting and you jump immediately, you know, we're like, okay, we're done drilling. All right, let's roll. And then you go to roll. It's like, how could you ever think that you could take this new little baby skill that you have and then apply it to rolling? But it doesn't, you, you, you have to, you have to be able to bridge that gap. Mm. You know, there's gotta be that, like that gradient that I'm talking about. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's great advice. Um, no, I like that. So I have, um, I have a question about the opposite of the chill guy. Okay. And that's the spaz. What do you do with the spaz? The guy who just like, who's a nut, he just uncontrolled, you know, sometimes hurts people. Like, what do you do with that guy? And Uh, he might be the nicest guy or he might be a jerk. I I think, I think I know the answer to the jerk. You would just, you know, get rid of the guy if if he's a real problem, but the spaz and it doesn't mean to be, what do you do with that guy? uh, I'll take a spaz any day over the super chill guy. Oh, really? Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. But like, but you, you, wait a you, minute. Why? Wait, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> you, <laughs> you actually made a really important distinction. Um, yeah. You're going to have this spaz that is an uncoachable asshole. Yeah. Um, that's just a bad athlete. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't do bad athletes in my gym. So we, we, we would just, that guy would just tell me it doesn't have a place to train with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got, you've got what you referenced was, which is like, you know, a guy who's maybe very aggressive, maybe, maybe spazzy, but he is coachable. And um, it's just so much easier to, to pull an athlete back than it is to like push him toward 
battle, so to speak. You know what I'm really? saying? I, yeah, I, I find that. It, I mean, if if they, like I said, if they if they respect you as a coach, like these guys, if they, if they come into the environment that 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 we've have, like they see what we've done competitively, they see some of the athletes that we've produced. So, like, hopefully, they look at that and go, "Okay, he can do that to me if I listen." Right? That's like that's sort of the assumption. If if I have a guy who just won't listen to a fucking thing I'm saying, then again, it's like, there's just no, we have no room for that. You know what I mean? So like, I guess those, those athletes are going to get sort of weeded out, but yeah, I, I've definitely had some guys, I've got, I've got a couple new white belts I'm thinking about right now that were fucking out of control. (laughs) They were, they were out of control, but like, and sometimes you have to like roll with these guys. That's like a whole other conversation to like sort of like get. Well, that's get that's kind of where I was going. Like, I yeah, but, but, but I, I will happily go there. But but I've got a couple of these guys and I just took them to Naga and they've been training for six months to a year. But because they have that, like they have that built in aggression, but also they listen to me as a coach and they understood when to shift gears and when to pull it back. These six month to one year white belts were winning their winning their divisions at, at mm. these tournaments. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would much prefer an aggressive athlete. Uh, and again, I'm just assuming he's coachable because I will only coach people who are coachable. You know, um, I would I, w- I would take that over somebody who's uh, who requires like prodding for sure. It's just it's it's easier. They're easier to work with. You know. Wow. That is, that's, that's my finding anyway. <laughs> so, so yeah. then, um, so basically when you, when you get a spaz, you, you kind of, uh, you kind of break him in like, like, like a wild horse. Right. So what are some of those, uh, kind of, um, uh, techniques? Some, sometimes, sometimes like I, I would say that maybe this is just the, the group of people we have, but most people, um, if you're just direct, as a coach, I think it's maybe a problem is like a lot of coaches aren't direct. Like everybody knows the guy's a spaz. You'll sort of make a few comments that, you know, maybe infer that he should slow down, but like, you know, a good coach will grab that guy and go, Hey, listen, like, I think you have a lot of talent, but you, you are out of control. Like you, you've got to chill out. Like you're, or you're going to, you're going to shin somebody in the head or knee somebody in the teeth and nobody's going to want to train with you. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're that direct with somebody like they'll either take it to heart or again, they will just demonstrate that they're not coachable and then they go, you know? Um, But like, yeah, I've, I've had these, these conversations with people and like most, most the athletes, at least at my gym are like, they're great. You know, they, 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 they make the adjustments, you know? Well, if Um, people want to stay right. And be in this environment that you've created this great environment, they, they, they're going to listen. They're going to do what you want them to do. Right. Cause I mean, they want to stay. My, my, like my experience with, with like 99.9% of students is super positive, but like, I also think that I'm probably a little more direct than most people are. Um, I, I'm not like, you know, you, you hear these guys that are like, Oh, I keep it real. Like, uh, if you, you know, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell you what I think. Like, I'm not like that. I'm not trying to go out of my way to be an asshole, yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. I, but I'll be, I'm, I'll be very direct. Like if you're doing something you're not supposed to do, I'll say, you know, I'll tell you, like I've had guys, I've had new guys who come in and like, they have, they just came from work and they have like terrible BO, you know, Ooh. it's an entirely separate issue, but like yeah. still one of these things that like people often dance around and like, 
you know, people, my wife has said to me, like, how do you deal with that? You know, and I go, I go up to him and I go, Hey man, uh, you stink. You know, and like, <laughs> right. but like, you know, I, I'll, I'll be like, or maybe I'll say like, Hey man, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like, you've got really bad BO. Um, and I'll, but then I'll also offer a solution. I go, I've got a fresh t-shirt and some deodorant in the back here. Come back here with me real quick. I give the guy the deodorant and a fresh t-shirt. He gets right back on the mat. You know, I did him a solid, you know, nobody heard what I said. It's fine. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too, like how you did it, right? You took that's kind of awkward though, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's say it can be a little awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I had, I had one time I had to tell the, um, a coworker, like I was a manager at this one place and this one dude just, just smelled like butt dude. Yeah. He smelled, he smelled like butt. And I had, and I was forced to tell him, they're like, you got to tell him. I'm like, why is it got to be me? This is like, <laughs> I'm like, fine, I'll tell him. And, and it, it sucked, dude. It sucked. Cause he, he was like an older dude. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's the nicest dude. Right. And I had to tell him and, but like, yeah, I think in the, in, in the long run, you're make, you're doing the guy solid, right? Cause you're making it so that other people want to train with him. Cause you don't want to train with the stinky guy. You, you know? don't want to be, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the stinky guy either. Yeah. You don't want to be the stinky guy. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, my, my experience, uh, like I said, maybe it's just limited to like, I don't know the people we have coming into like our area and our gym, but like, yeah. I mean, if I'm just like kind and direct with people, we, 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 we have no problems, you know, everything, everything's fine. And this, this, the spazzy guys, like I said, I, you know, especially like guys who are like wrestlers who are spazzes, like not only, you know, like you actually have a skill set to go along with your spaz. <laughs> so, so if I can just like pull your spaz back a little bit, I'm like, I'm, I'm really working with something, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh man. Spazzy wrestlers are the worst. That's so bad. Until they're the, until they're the best. Until the, yeah. Until they, yeah. Oh they're man. The best. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing more terrifying than a wrestler who really like learns how to control the pace. Cause in wrestling it's fifth gear, it's fourth and fifth gear the whole time, like truly the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and it's a sport that's so much, it's the rules of the sport just make it so it's so much more predicated on speed, strength, weight, weight class is huge in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu is not like that. So like once you teach these guys how to like upregulate and downregulate that intensity, you know, I mean, it's terrifying, you know, They're so good at it. Yeah. So um, at one point you mentioned at your last podcast, at the, at the last podcast, you mentioned that you guys were almost at capacity. Like you were getting to the point where you're going to have to start turning people away. Are, are you there yet? You, you uh, said you were real close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've actually, I've been talking to my wife about this. Um, yeah. We're um, like I said, I try, I think I said this last time I try to pre- plan sort of several chess moves ahead and we're always in a slump in the summer. There's always a summer slump because people don't want to be indoors and they want to do that nice weather thing. Um, but we are not, in a summer slump right now, I think because everybody's poking their heads out of the ground because COVID's just, you know, essentially over um, or over for most people. Um, So I am a little worried about the fall and the winter and specifically, you know, January, February, when the new year's crowd, you know, hits. Um, I've had a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, Cause I, I think I also said before, like, I don't, I don't want it to get to the point where it's, just overrun and impersonal and just like a, you know, a money mill 
I mean, everybody, everybody likes making money. I'm not saying I don't, it's just, you know, I, I uh, you want to still keep that kind of small gym feel. So, so it's not just about space. It's about your ability to pay, to, to pay these people the attention they are paying for. Yeah. I think it's less about the space and more about like knowing everybody's name, which is challenging, knowing where all of the students are like in terms of their progression. I've got really good coaches that help me with that. I can go to, you know, uh, I can go to one of the other coaches and just say, you know, like, Hey, uh, you know, so-and-so who comes in the morning to your morning classes, like, how are they doing? And they're like, Oh, he's ready for his blue belt. I'm like, okay. I wasn't totally aware of that. So I can make that correction, but you don't want to go too far in that direction where you've literally, I'm sure some of these like giant affiliations, you know, if you're Henzo Gracie, you're going to walk into a room and you're going to go, you're giving this guy's purple belt today. And he's like, I've never seen this guy in my life. Right. Wow. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get that big. So. Yeah. It's wild. But I mean, yeah. And you want to keep that quality there. You want to keep the, the, the quality of the relationship with your students there. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I think your students would appreciate that. Um, Cause nobody, nobody wants to just be, Hey, you, you know, yeah, the guy in the morning, yeah. you know, that guy, you don't, Nobody wants to be that guy. They, even even if they're afraid of you, <laughs> you know, they wanna they wanna know that that you know their name. Like that's cool. And I, I I do too. And we've we've tried to propose like several solutions for figuring out how we can know everybody's name. But it's just unless you're like writing their names like on their lapel. I mean, it's just not it's not happening. You yeah, know? Well, it's it's kind of tough. But also, uh, then what are if are you able to talk about some of these solutions that you're thinking about uh, for when you get to that point where you reach capacity? I don't really have anything um, clearly hashed out. I've considered some things. What I can tell you about, I'm not considering. I'm not considering opening another school. Um, I've definitely had a, a few people suggest that. Um, and uh, I just can't imagine having a second location. Um, the one I have now is like already it's, it's so, it's so time consuming um, that I don't, I have no idea how I would possibly, you know, have a second location. So that, that is out for now. Um, I had considered instead of, we have an intro class, like a Friday night intro class and anybody listening to this, please don't like take this to heart. Cause it's just an idea that I had, but I was considering basically turning that into like tryouts for the team. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like not only do you, well, I mean, and, and, and yeah, I don't want to like make this sound bad uh, and, and it's not my intention, but like you, not only do you have to pay to get into this place, but right. you also got to try out. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I, and I, trust me, I'm like, I'm aware of like what it sounds like. Yeah. I'm aware of what it sounds like. And I'm also aware of like how that kind of makes me feel, mm. but, um, but yeah, we, you know, it's just, it's, uh, we will, we will sometimes get, we will sometimes get people in the school who, and I don't mean this to sound insensitive, but like every single person takes up real estate on the mat, like during class, like every single person does. And you will occasionally get people who like they're taking up real estate on the mat and it's it's pretty clear and it's okay, but it's pretty clear that like, they're not super dedicated. They're also not like super proficient. You know, they're not super 
talented, not super athletic. Like they're just, you, you, you get the sense after you've been doing this as long as I have, that they're probably not going to be around in three to six months. Like it's probably something they're just kind of trying out Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be terrible to be able to filter some of those people out. Right. And, and, And I'm, I'm not doing that to be a dick. I'm doing it. So my students who are all in get all the attention and all the real estate on the mat. Does that, does that make sense? Like no, that's, absolutely. That's you, the priority. Yeah, so. you, you're not trying. You're, you're not trying to give the one person who's casually interested and who may become a great student, uh, and maybe one day a black belt. You're not trying to not give that guy a chance. You're just trying to get rid of some of the people that are absolutely not going to be around. And I understand what you're saying. And it's it's a very difficult position to be in. Uh, a, a great one in terms of like your business and, and the growth and the quality of your, of, of of what you're teaching. Yeah. But a very difficult situation, right? Because, I mean, you might, uh, you don't want to be in a situation where you inadvertently turn away a, a possibly very talented student. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I, the, the, the hope is that, like, I would be able to kind of, kind of be able to pick that out. It's, pre- it's pretty rare that I get, like, super surprised mm-hmm. by somebody. It does happen every now and then. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was just, it was an idea that I've been, I've been kicking it around for a while. And, um, you know, we've been real busy. So I was kind of like, I was kind of just wondering how it would work. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know, like, yeah, how would that work? How would it work if we kind of had like a tryout night, mm-hmm. you know, then it's almost like you put up a red rope, so to speak. And then like tryout night, we get like 80 people. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like you tell people they can't get in and like, I, everybody's like, I want to get in. I, yeah. I, I, all of a sudden it's exclusive. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, that's, yeah. I think I think the 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 issue is is that you're kind of becoming an elite gym, right? You're becoming one of these places where you get invited versus you just show up and 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 you're in, which is kind of it, it speaks to the quality of of your teaching because I mean, look at the conversation we just had. We just we just had two hours of just us talking about jujitsu and all the different things, and I already feel like shit. I got to do this, and I'm going to do this. And John said this. You know, it's just like all these things that you brought that you brought today. All these all these answers to these questions I had. It, just this podcast alone is so enlightening. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in your school and learning learning from you in this at at, at this level. I. I I understand the dilemma, but also like I can, I, uh, I wouldn't, I, I would be like, okay, that's probably the way to go, you know. If if yeah. you get to that point, like, what else? I mean, because honestly, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to diminish, uh, like what you're saying, the the contact, right? You want to keep the quality there. Yeah, I don't see how you can get around with it and get around it. I think what you're talking about is a great idea. I think the, I think the other, I thought of another option, which was to like, um, incorporate, like, so we have, we obviously we have fundamentals, we have all levels and then we have advanced. Those are like kind of the, the main tiers that we have in terms of like skill, you know, fundamentals, all level advanced, um, advanced is essentially like advanced is invite only. So like, if I didn't invite you or didn't approve you, like you can't come to advanced again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just like, there's just certain certain people who have a certain level of dedication that I want to not only teach but coach. Like mm-hmm. I want, I want to you know I want to manage them in that, that long term arc. Um, fundamentals, obviously, you know what that 
might look like all levels kind of mixed up, but I was kind of considering too doing like a, uh, something below fundamentals, which would be like a four to six week or six to eight week, like basics curriculum that would be, you know, I don't know, either optional or maybe required for some people, you know, you have to sort of go through that program to get into the rest of the programs. I'm not sure. I, and this is just me just spitballing. Like I don't, I don't have any, definite ideas about this stuff but just something to be kicking around so. yeah but the, the thing is too is it's like um how will this change the gym too like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get athletes you know yeah yeah right yeah you, yeah you, that, you would, that'd be awesome yeah yeah and and like uh what happens to the students that that are with you now that are casual you know practitioners not not that they're not dedicated but maybe they're not as 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 dedicated as the athlete that tried out you know, right. uh, yeah. are you yeah. going to, are they, are they going to feel like they're going to get pushed out? You know, I worry. Yeah. I definitely worry about that. Um, I, I it would be super cool to like, you know, there's, there's this saying that like, like jujitsu is for everyone. You know, you've heard the saying before. Again, it's one of those, it's one of those traditional things that people just sort of repeat. And I don't know how, how much people actually think it through, um, I'm not convinced that, that jujitsu is like for everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't totally know how to reconcile that with like, with like a growing school. I'd like to have, I'd like to have a place for everybody, both from like a social standpoint, also like from a business standpoint, which is why I think it might be cool to have like some more sort of more like casual basic classes but then also have the distinction of this, like this advanced team, this like pro team, you know, that's really like, it is, it's invite only. And I don't know, man, like it's, just, I've still, um, I've never owned a school before. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. still, it's still new, like in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, I'm like, I'm doing a lot of this shit on the fly. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like you're just doing this shit though. You're, you're thinking about every, every piece of it and, it's cool to see that you're you're thinking about even your relationship with your students. Like you're trying to to remember people's names. You want a good quality uh, of instruction for your classes. Yeah, yeah, and and you're just trying oh, to yeah. find solutions for those things. You're not trying to be, you're not trying to be a jerk and exclude people. You're just trying to 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 maintain the quality uh, of of your instruction and the environment for for your students. And I think that's admirable. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the part that like most instructors like when when their school, I mean a lot of jujitsu schools just bomb and fail, and I think that's where it goes wrong a lot of the time is like you're not you're not one of the guys <clears throat> like on the mat like training for something anymore like you sort of become disconnected like you kind of get up on your pedestal, um, you don't feel really like your students or your peers anymore. You're not really even maybe you're not like even competing anymore. So you're not like sort of going, I hate battle analogies and war analogies, but like you're not going into battle like with your soldiers anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I use that. I fucking hate those analogies. I think they're so stupid. But, but like, I, I know what yeah. you mean. You're leading from the front. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's what, that's what, that's where a lot of schools will go wrong is like, you just like, you have a, you have a relationship with like your students, like as individuals and then like also as a group. And 
the moment you become like really different than them, things get weird. You know, um, like I really try to make it a point to like drill. I like to drill with my students. So like a lot of time we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll teach a technique and assuming that it's simple enough for everybody to understand, I just jump on the mat and drill with everybody else. And then you do specific training with everybody else and you spar with everybody else. And then you shoot the shit with everybody else. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, uh, and you just, yeah, you see, you see instructors like lose that connection. And then that is when, I don't know, that's kind of when the wheels fall off for some reason, you know, but I, um, yeah, I, 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 I've always appreciated the, the instructor that was also like a, a practitioner, a student, you know, who, yeah. who was like, you know, going to competitions, stuff like that. It was one of the reasons why I went to Pedro Viana's because when I was looking for a school, you know, first I met him, right? And second, I looked him up and he had won uh, an IBJJF uh, competition. He won, he won gold at one. That's why, that's why, oh, cool. That's why you made that decision. That's yeah. Decision. Yeah. It was, well, I met him because I think you know this story. Like uh, I met him at a, at an MMA thing where this guy, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but you know this guy and he took a fight and he was only a blue belt. And uh, I was his like, I was like his training partner or whatever, but like he never showed up to train. And then eventually he got in the cage and got his butt handed to him. But Pedro was his grappling coach and that's where or his jujitsu coach and that's where i met pedro i met i met him okay. at that horrible night okay. and and um and uh so i i had the name he was the only name i had at that point and then i looked him up and uh, well no i knew another i knew a couple other people but i looked him up and i saw like the people who had won and I, the latest yeah. ebgf and he had cool. first place that's pretty neat because i never actually know for sure like how much that that means uh hold on my daughter's committed sure uh, <laughs> i never really know how much that means to new students like i don't know if that if that really matters to them that like the coach competes or what but i do know that like i do know that something something in the room changes like when i have a date on the calendar that i'm getting ready for and i'm drilling more and I'm sparring more and I'm taped up and I'm sweaty and I'm bleeding and I'm on the mat with everybody and I'm tired and, you know, I'm rolling with the guys. Like it is, it's not subtle. Like there's a very tangible shift in energy. And then like when I'm injured and I can't do those things, there is a very tangible shift in energy and it's a dope job. I mean, like obviously doing jujitsu for a living is like a dream. So it's, it's, it's an amazing job, but the hard part of the job and the really stressful part of the job is I'm pretty sure that this is how I'm going to have to do it for the rest of my life. Like until I can't do it anymore. I think this is, this is the way, like I just train and compete, take a rest, train, compete, take a rest until I'm 60 something years old. And I sell the school, you know, is that what you would do? You get to 16 and you, and you can't move anymore and then you sell it. I mean, I'd love to be able to like hand it down to somebody. I mean, you know, that would be, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That's obviously, you know, pretty far, far future from now. Um, Maybe one of your students take it. 
Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, that'd be, that'd be sweet. But, um, like, I don't, I've never seen, I've never seen anybody, anybody else do it any other way where it's like, I want to be that guy. Like I've seen guys like, you know, like have super profitable businesses that way, but like, that's not, um, that's not like the really attractive thing, you know, hmm. really attractive thing is like sort of still being like, um, you know, still being like a super well respected instructor at an advanced age, still sweating and bleeding and competing like with my athletes. Like that's, that's, that's really what I want. Mm. Yeah. You know, at one point, I, and it's funny that you say that the, you know, being a jujitsu instructor is, is kind of like a dream, you know, come true or whatever. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it was one of the things I wanted at one point. I am, I am now 46 years old and still a purple belt. I don't know if that's going to happen for me, especially with the way you're describing it, like still rolling. Like I'm going to have a really short, like instructor, like owner career. You know, if I get lucky enough to like, maybe, maybe become a black belt at 50. <laughs> and I mean, I think, I think there are a lot of ways to, there are probably a lot of ways to do it. Like this is just the way that's the way you want to do it. The way that, the way that I'm, that, that I'm doing it. Um, mm. and, uh, but it, it is, it's a weird, um, it's a weird thing to do for a living. I mean, it really, it, it's, um, it is, it's crazy. It's like, it's unbelievably well-respected in like our little circle. Yeah. Know? But yeah. then like outside of that circle, like nobody really gets like what I do. It's, it, it's it's like the, the the respect is gone you know what i mean it's like um i'm like the karate instructor like in napoleon dynamite to everybody else you know what i mean it's 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 odd it's really it, strange it really is strange and and i i blame all these other martial arts for it because i mean they they <laughs> okay. because i mean it's they're not like jujitsu at least at least not some of these other ones like these mcdojos you know like because I mean, there there are like respectable karate dojos, right? The the ones where I guess uh, sure. I, can't, I can't remember one of the, you know some movie actors. I can't remember his name right now. Doesn't matter. Um, there are some respectable dojos where you know you, you have killers coming out of, but like that's not you know I don't know seventy percent of the schools out there. You know, and jujitsu is not like that. It's like jujitsu. You're you're right, absolutely. Like yeah, I have all the black belts I've met. I have nothing but respect for, you know, mm -hmm. all of them because they can kick my ass, you know, but it's more than just that. It's just like, they've, they've achieved something that takes a very long time to get, you know, yeah. um, you know, some people, some people do it in less time, you know, some people do it in five years, some people do it in 10, whatever. But, and I think that's one piece of it. That's like, okay, you know, this, this person put in a lot of time on the mat. You know, and I respect them for that alone. You know, not not well, not alone, but that's one piece of it that makes me oh, respect yeah. it. Yeah, and it it's sense. yeah, and it's funny that you say that <laughs> that it doesn't really get much respect anyplace else except for other people who know what it is. It's it's really um, it's really disappointing because you know it'd be nice to be able to put jujitsu black belt on a resume and and the and the the person like looking at the resume being like, ooh. <laughs> I think that's no. I think I actually think that's a great way to describe it. Like it's not, um, anything else that you did 
for say a decade, if, if I held a job for 10 years somewhere and like, I could put on my resume that like I did this and I had this title and then maybe even like, I made this amount of money per year, you know, some respectable amount of money, but they're going to look at you and go, you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt instructor. And they're going to be like, okay, all right. Um, and then they're going to move on to the next applicant, you know, yeah. presumably because it's just, it's not, because it's just it to the rest of the world. It's just fucking weird. <laughs> weird you know? Yeah. I, and I, I get, I like, I actually, I don't, it doesn't upset me. Like I, I get it. Like I, I, I really understand it. Um, it's a very niche thing to do. Um, it's, it's so odd and specific and it, 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 it's, it's a, it's a, it, the, the weirdest part of the job for me is that like, I'm not just the head instructor. I'm actually also the person who like manages the school. And usually those two are split. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, I'm actually like, I'm actually like, you know, gaining like managerial skills, accounting skills, you know, advertising skills. Um, yeah, it's weird, man. I, I like it, but it's, it's a very strange job. So uh, one thing I wanted to kind of make note before we, we, uh, we jump off. I noticed that you are kicking ass on the Instagram, man. Like I love oh, every <laughs> single post you put out, man. Every single thing I, I eat it up. I look at it, I watch it and I'm like, Oh, okay. Look at these, oh, look at this stuff. So like one of the things, um, I, I wanted to ask only for like, for my, for like my kind of, uh, knowledge, but I guess I'll leave it in the podcast for sure. But like, um, how much time do you spend like creating some of that stuff? I mean, obviously some of it is in class, right? So you don't have to like prepare, like set up a studio or something and shoot the video, but like how much time outside the, you know, of yeah. being in the video, how much time do you spend like editing well, can, and all that stuff? I can, I can definitely answer that. There's a, there's a more important question also is how much time could I spend doing it? Um, that that social media instagram and even youtube to a lesser extent but still youtube um like that could be somebody's full-time job you know it really could be somebody's full-time job now the way i do it is that i have i pay somebody to film it you know i uh, okay. i think it's i think it's um i think it's super important to pay skilled people to do a good job because you just you get the best result that way so i pay somebody to film and then I they film it on my iPhone and I have like a little microphone and then I take it home and I do all the editing, all the uploading. Um, and uh, that's, that's pretty much how that process goes. So virtually any video that you see on our Instagram, whether it's short or long, was filmed by somebody else and then chopped up and edited by me. Wow. And depending on like what it, depending on like the day or the week or what we put out, I mean, I could eat up. I could eat up a couple hours a day easy, you know, in addition to, you know, all the other stuff we got going on, but it's one of those things like you don't have to do it. Like, yeah, this week, I, this week I didn't do anything. Cause like I was just swamped this week. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not filming anything, not chopping anything up this week, but next week I almost certainly will. You know? Yeah. I, um, father's day really kind of threw a wrench in the, in the machine and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get, like a podcast out this, this past week, it was just impossible. Um, and, uh, it was, it's not that I didn't have, you know, episodes, it was just, just impossible. So like, you know, I spend just, just on editing alone, I can spend like four hours, 
you know, depending on how bad it is. If it's, if it's like, uh, a, a, you know, a pretty, you know, if I know that all I have to do is chop off the ends, psh, you know, 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if, if I have to, if I have to like, listen to it, it, it it'll be a while. Um, yeah. but then like, you know, the podcast is actually kind of like the easy part. The hard part for me is making all the extra stuff to promote the podcast on Instagram and all that stuff. And just, just the simple little things that I put out. Yeah. It takes me a couple hours. Yeah. You know, and all yes. the, all the one updates. Slice, right? I'm sorry. I said, it's just one little slice of the job, right? Yeah. 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 You know, and if I, if I record video, that's, 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 that's forever, man. That takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. Most people like listening just via audio. Is that what most people do? That's most what most people do. I'm trying to get a little bit more. Yeah. 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 It's just, um, I, I, there's a, there's a chance that I could maybe get more followers out of YouTube too, you know, like just attract people to the, to the audio. But, uh, that's, I don't know how fruitful that is. I might just stick to audio and just leave YouTube alone. But that's, I think that could work. But yeah, but like, I mean, one of the reasons I ask is because it's like, yeah, it could be a person's job. It is, it yeah. could just eat up a shit ton of time. And is it really what you want to do? You know, is it really kind of like, is it necessary? Is it, you know, I, I think, I think it is necessary. I just don't know how much of it I need to do. And so yeah. I was just looking for like, what, what seems to be working for you and kind of like what. It's, um, it's probably something I could leave off. It's probably something I could, I, that I, you know, wouldn't have to do. And I, I, like I said, often I won't, like I'll take a week or two off of it. Um, like I said, that's the, one of the weird parts of the job is that I could, like, if I wanted a, if I wanted a, like a long weekend, like if I, go, if I take my you know family somewhere, like I could pretty easily call off on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and take a four day weekend, like whenever I want. But the trade-off is then Monday and Tuesday, I'm working like back-to-back 14-hour days to catch up. And then, so it's just like, where do you, it's like, where do you want to sort of like, you know, spend your time? Um, but the, yeah, the Instagram stuff, I, I, I enjoy the hell of it. Like, it's really fun to chop that stuff up and edit it. It's really rewarding uh, to like, you get engagement from it. But yeah, is it necessary? I, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how many, how many new people we're getting from that. So, hey, real quick, um, I'm assuming this is going to come out on uh, like Tuesday. Something uh, like so, no, this would this one I have, like I was telling you, I have a bunch in the tank. Okay. So this will this one will probably not come out next week, but the following Monday. So oh, cool. it's good. Okay. It's cool. going to come out uh, on a, like this one, like because, you know, all podcasts aside, your podcast is the number one podcast on my show. No shit. Yeah. So like from all the episodes I've, I've done, uh, people have listened to yours the most. Daniel's is number three. How many, how, how, I mean, I don't really even know how to like interpret like podcast numbers, but like how many people listen? Can you say? Well, well I mean, I could tell you, but you, you know, you're going to be, it's, it's, it's a little uh, embarrassing for me because it's like, oh, never mind that. Don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't care. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal to me. Um, I, I appreciate you being on and, and you sharing everything that you shared. Um, plus, I mean, uh, some of the, the video 
edits and stuff that they've done in the past with where you were where you told the story where you yeah, yeah. Supposedly, yeah. supposedly i bit you um, yeah. <laughs> um that that got tons of engagement on both facebook and and whatchamacallit mostly on facebook because of okay. all the guys that we know to, you know mutually but oh yeah facebook yeah right yeah i've been off there for a while yeah, yeah. Okay. So, cool. but yeah but like all the viana brothers guys are on there and oh yeah 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 they like the shit out of that al al is is one guy who was like i remember this yeah i was there oh so and saldana i don't know if you remember saldana yeah of course yeah yeah but anyway um i believe i have wrote it down here um, well, the, re the reason i was at i was just going to make sure it wasn't going to come out like tomorrow because um i just wanted to you, you asked me about shouting people out before um i just want to uh just obviously like publicly thank the uh the coaches for all their help like i i would not um i wouldn't be able to to, to do nearly what we do without their help so um i'll try to do this in order of people i promoted but dan sweeney he's uh <laughs> technically the first black belt i ever promoted um he's uh he has uh an instagram called dps breakdowns that is uh pretty outstanding in terms of uh like like wrestling and grappling breakdowns um uh, my second black belt is uh, Chris Benezzi. He's um, uh, he's a monster, and uh, he's he he helps me out a ton. Um, and then uh, uh, Eric Waller uh, doesn't teach at all, but he's um, he's he's just a nightmare training partner. Chris Oden, he's not with us uh, anymore at our school. He's training at Kyle Terrace Place, I believe. Oh wow! Somewhere in California, I can't remember exactly the city. Um, and then uh, Al Hemmingson, he's uh, he's our newest black belt. He he uh, he helps out a lot with um, <clears throat> helps out a lot with like uh, like afternoon classes. And he's just uh, he's a good dude. Uh, not a black belt, but um, Darla Sedlicek, she's one of our most prolific competitors, and uh, she spends a ton of time at the school. Um, and then uh, also not a black belt, but uh, Travis Anderson, he's one of our brown belts. He's um, tra at Trav Jitsu on Instagram. He loves the gram, and he is our resident Barambolo guy. He's the he's the one doing all the wild stuff. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but then the, the reason I brought up the uh, the black belt thing and the podcast thing is on Saturday we are going to be promoting um, an, uh, our, our our newest black belt. His name is uh, Dan Medali. Um, so shout out to him. Congratulations on your black belt. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it will be done. Nice. Nice. Does he know it's coming? Um, I mean, I'm I, sure he I, has an idea, I, but he I've doesn't not know. told him. I always try to make a point to tell the, tell the family members that, um, you know, uh, that, that their, you know, dad or their brother, whoever's getting, getting promoted to black belt. Uh, so it's, I've notified his family and, uh, they're going to, they'll pop in and surprise him. So it should be pretty that's, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, I, like, Daniel's going to be in town for it. So it'd be fun. That would be awesome. Yep, yep. So yeah, like so this this podcast won't I won't let this podcast go uh until until not next Monday, but the following. So you got plenty of time. And uh as far as numbers, I believe your podcast is like has been listened to about 90 times. Okay, cool. Uh, uh Daniels is like 80 something, and the one in the middle is an 80s cartoon episode, and that one's like 83 or 85 okay. or something like that. And it's so you, I know we're getting kind of technical here, but do you count your views through like the Apple iTunes podcast app? Like, how does that work? 
I uh, well, you see, the funny thing is, is that the uh, Apple iTunes um, podcast thing doesn't do a great job of actually tracking it. Oh, okay. I, I believe the way. It, first of all, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's and it's not even about them playing and then stopping listening or stop listening. It's the. It's it's it has something to do with the phones. So if it's an older phone, it doesn't do a very good job of tracking it. Oh, okay. So yeah. like I believe like um, anything under ten, uh, it, it does a really bad job of of tracking. So um, so I don't I don't really look at Apple. I look at uh, I look at where I host the uh, the podcast, which is at SoundCloud. SoundCloud gives me a bunch of numbers and it tells oh, me. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I also have like um uh like another uh tracker uh that that uh that keeps an eye on where the like who's listening to the podcast and that does a more complete number at least for because i didn't start using it right away i was looking for something like that and it didn't so it, the in terms of all time it doesn't do the great the greatest job but I know from what SoundCloud is telling me and the and when your podcast went that your podcast is number one. Oh, cool. Okay. That's yeah. yeah. So I was, I was like, damn, look at this guy. <laughs> and, okay, and, yeah. Let me, let me, let me know like uh, where to, um, cause I know like the, the, I know that the viewership is like actually important for like ranking. So mm. if there's like a specific place I can point people, you know, let me know. Um, yeah. Um, I, I just, wherever they listen to the podcast. So uh, oh, okay. Spotify, um apple um i mean the 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 likes i think at least especially for apple are, are more important than uh than than the actual plays in this respect because the regardless of the phone likes are still going to be tracked so i got you okay so, so anyway um anything else you want to plug uh john before we take off um i can't think of anything the only thing i would say is um you know if you're if you're new and you're thinking about trying jujitsu I think the, the hardest step is definitely walking in the front door, um, but it is oddly normal after you start. <laughs> I, I think it is, so you know, give it give it a swing. Um, and uh, I think the best way to interact with us and like experience the gym, I would say almost as certainly through the Instagram page at this point, that seems to be a good representation of what we do. So that is at hurricane.jj on Instagram, that's me. All right. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on. And thank you for sharing all the stuff that you, uh, all the knowledge you dropped today, man. I really appreciate it, bro. Um, uh, thanks so much for listening. This is Edgar Otraves on the Flow Road Podcast. We'll catch you next time. The song you're listening to, Leave It All Behind by Starlight, can be found over at Epidemic Sound. Make sure you use my referral link in the description. Now, if you like this episode and you want more, head on over to theflowroadpodcast.com where you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes along with a store where you can get t-shirts, some wall art, etc. Also, if you're looking for more nonsense from us, you can find us on Instagram at theflowroad. And make sure you give us a hand by going out and subscribing, liking, and commenting wherever you get your podcasts at and press all the buttons and make the podcast gods happy. Wow. John is just, he just knows so much, man. And he really kind of thinks about what he's doing. He's, he is just so smart, man. It, it was an honor 
to have him on the podcast. You know, just constantly honing this craft. But I mean, look at all the people he shouted out at the end of the episode. I mean, it's just just how um, it's just how much he cares about what he does and the people he's involved with. So, uh, just a quick note: all the things that John shouted out, I'm gonna try to put in the description. So, of course, links to his Instagram, his YouTube page, etc. They're all gonna be on the in the description. And congratulations to Dan Medelli for receiving your black belt. I am so jealous. And you're getting it from like a very, very good instructor. So that's a legit black belt you got there. All right, people. That's my spiel for this week. We'll catch you next time. Laters. Laters.